Hello, friends. I'm your host, Marissa Serafini. Today, I have my very, very dear, dear say, best friend out here in the crazy city of Los Angeles, California. We've hosted When Calls the Heart After Show together, a few other TV after shows here and there, a couple movies also. Yes, um, yes. We even traveled to Vancouver together where we learned even more about each other. He's a writer, podcast producer, host extraordinaire, James Law Jr. himself. It's What's me, up, kids. It's me. Hi, Marissa Serafini. It's good Hi, to see James you. Hi, James Law Jr. Yeah, yes. it's always great to see you. We've done a few, uh, a few. My last name is Lot. We've done a lot of things together over the years. We have. I mean, like, what haven't we done together? I know. I mean, you produced most of my, several of my series and AfterBuzz and like, we how did. many I mean, there's a yeah. lot. We put a lot together. Yeah, After Buzz TV is where we first met. Um, but I want to start off actually. Yes, we produce stuff together. We've hosted stuff together. We've done. We've traveled together and whatnot. But what do you think is that moment where we became more than just like co-hosts, more than just producing buddies, more than whatever? Like, what what's that turning point if you can think of that really made us true friends? I don't think there's a turning point. See, this here's what here's my thing for me. There are people in your life where you almost don't remember how you met them. They're just in your life. That makes any sense. And and they're and you're close to them. Like these people are close to you. Like, I have a friend, I don't remember how I met her. I've known her 35 years. So couldn't tell you how I met her, but I have memories from 35 years ago with her. That's how I feel about you. I feel like, well, you're all I mean, you're just all you were at Afterbuzz. And somehow you landed on one of my shows. And we got along great. I, I just I don't know what show it was, first show. I don't even know. We probably could look it up somewhere and find it's out. Probably but I don't like know. either Days of Our Lives or General Hospital. Because my first. Because yeah, at that point when we first met, you were only doing like you had like two or three soap shows, and that was it. And you weren't a permanent host yet. You were still guest hosting. Yes, and and Alexis Torres was my main engineer producer. Yes. She's. A, I remember when I first met her. She was the first person I met uh, when I came to guest host. But I met you at some point because you were you were everywhere uh, there. And uh, I but I but I think I just think it's that we started working together really well and on shows. And then when I started breaking into, I think I mean that could be a turning point, I guess. But I don't I don't feel like before that I I know I wanted you as my producer. My um, guests liked you, and it's kind of funny. It's a little bit. I'll say it's on here. Marissa's invited to the cookout, folks. Uh, and black folks know what I mean because my <laughs> black Hollywood Live, and most of my guests were black, and they all loved her. She got along; she fit right on in. Um, oh, I did because we we're different on camera. We're different in many ways. We are. <laughs> I mean, because, but I'm just saying. But I just feel like that could be a turn. I don't know what's day, but I feel like you've always been in my life for the last eight years. Don't know how I first met you, but it's not like we just always got along. And then I would hang out with you at the at the couches, first at the house. We would yeah. be in between shows. And then at the other place, we had a table. Now I always come, now I always come talk to you. But I don't know, I just I just felt like, I don't know, because you know, we're 20 year age difference. But we found we had things in common. You like a lot of stuff from my time period. Um, we like the same taste of kind of music. I get along with Filipinos. I don't know. It just it just, it just seemed like, but it somehow you we just really always hit it off. I did, but you, but you're somebody I couldn't tell you how I first met you. I just know I met right. you. But that's a good thing to me. It's a good thing. It, 
It's definitely a good thing. I I can't remember exactly what we did the first time I met you. I know I was probably like engineering one of your shows. Yeah, but we were, like you said, we were at the house. But that was when I was in a weird, weird point in my life, and I had like kind of taken a step back from Afterbus, and I was like half in, half out, but also working over at like So You Think You Can Dance, American Idol, but also living in Burbank at the time, but coming back and forth to the house to produce so i was like at that point half part part-time at after buzz after being full-time already yeah. i had taken a step back and then and so this was 2015 wow that long ago already i've known you eight years i've known you eight years yeah. it's like the beginning of the year because i was only in burbank from january to may of 2015 that's when i came in february yeah but I don't know if you remember this. So uh -oh. like I ask you this because I think one of the first moments where like, okay, James like Jr. is cool. <laughs> I'm going to say your full name so many times. I know. Of course everybody does. Yes. Take a shot, everyone, for how many times they say <laughs> no, Don't because you need to be sober to listen to our awesome conversation. <laughs> there, <laughs> remember Pat Lambert? Yeah. Yeah. So there was a time we were in that conference room. I think you had just finished wrapped up a show and I was the staff where it was always in this conference room that had this big glass table where we would like do all the post work and all the audio editing. So I was in there a lot and we were all talking, Pat, you and I, somehow we got onto the topic of bring it on. Oh, that's, 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 <laughs> you remember this? And then good. we got into the cheers and there yes. was a moment I was like, I know every single word to the opening cheer of that movie. And you're like, prove it. And I was like, oh, okay. Yes. Totally did it. And like someone recorded it. And I have to dig through my old iPhones. Yes. I was like, it's, on, it. it's it. somewhere in the yeah, ether. Yeah. Um, and that I cheered sense. the whole thing. And you're like in the background, you're like clapping your hands and like cheering me on. I was like, yeah, you don't think it? I used to be a cheerleader. I know. It's hard to believe. It is hard to but believe. But I think that was like the first moment I was like, no, James is cool. I can hang out with him. <laughs> that's so early crazy. on. Yes. We like Bring It On. No, Bring It On was one of my movies. So yes, of all time. So yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. That's how, that sounds completely familiar, actually, that you say yeah, that. Yeah. I was like, ah, oh, I wish I could find that video. If I do, I will send it to you. I know you will. You, like, you find all kind of stuff. We're always ridiculous. singing and dancing. You always find the stuff. I mean, I know it's, I even have a hard time believing I used to be a cheerleader because I'm know. like so bitchy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, true story. The, those were, <laughs> I'd like to say, my dark days of grade school and high school. Yes. Um, but oh, I, I mean, I used to be perky and peppy. And <laughs> believe it or not, and now life has just tainted me, you know. <laughs> She's all bitter now. See, the thing is, <laughs> slightly I, bitter, I, slightly jaded. <laughs> so I could also, for me, I know I came to Afterbus TV bright eyed and bushy, just happy to be there. Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, Mr. Loud and I had this deep voice, and I just, I'm just big personality. I just came in there. It's like, hi, everybody. I'm just having to, everybody's younger than I am. So I'm like, hi, everybody. Everybody's younger than I am. I'll have a good time. I'm happy to be here. So I think in some cases, people tell me that was very infectious because I just, I wasn't like everybody else. I just came in and was like, just, okay, what do we want to do next? I'm ready to do something, try something next. And I think that kind of helped you maybe a little bit too. It was like, here I am. I'm, I'm, I was easy to work with. I, I never started anything. I was just like, what we got? What we got to do? Tell me what's going on. What we got to do? Yeah. And I like to think I'm easy to work with. Everyone sure. always said that, like, 
out of the whole staff. Like, I'd rather work with Marissa. Well, I, always, um, you know, I got it to my own horn because this is my own show, you know. But no, I, I I generally got that compliment a lot. They're like, oh, I, I want Marissa to produce my show. I want Marissa to engineer. There was an email where I won't say who because I know who she is. And she just, yes. I just talked to her like a couple days ago. <laughs> um, there was an after show I was producing on the, on the regular because all of us like had our general after shows that we regularly produced yeah. and the main host at that time that's when we called the main host the lead host uh cc'd me and all the other engineers because there was that staff engineer where yes. it goes to all the oh, engineers yeah. Yeah. and says i want marissa to produce it because she had like two big guests from the tel from the television show she was covering she's like i want marissa to produce it because she's the best <laughs> and like all the other engineers are also tagged on this email i'm like well and then someone else of course i think you know who was like do you know you sent that to everybody oh better i'm like well that's not my problem she's the I'm one who said it problem. So. Problem. well think about that i mean i want to piggyback on that a little bit the thing about you is that i knew that because <laughs> i you know i'm shady I'm known for being shady so my fans mm -hmm. know that so I'm trying to be a little less shady but just say that not everyone was the greatest engineer um, there are people who would leave shots on too long or do a wide shot and not do a close up or you'd be I'm talking and the camera's on next like things like that would happen there's some crazy person. stuff that happened too in there so I, so I knew that with you no matter how tired you were or whatever, you would never do that like you, yeah. you still wanted a good product. So I knew that you would showcase my guests, you would showcase me or my guests or whatever, it would be fine. And I could watch the video, which I mean, I won an award for my show. I mean, like, like, like they, because my show was produced correctly to me. And it was like, it was, the cues were on mark and you would tell me if I had to move this way or that, like, and and you were just, and you were good. I mean, just, it, just, it was always like, I just knew I was in good hands. And there were a few others, I will say, there were a few others I liked also there. So I don't want to say it was just Marissa. Right. There are others I liked also there too, but I just know since it's your show, it's about you. Um, right now, I, it was I just knew that I would always get a high quality product because you wanted it, whether it was whether it was you on the show or not. You wanted a high quality product. Yeah, and I think oh, first of all, thank you. Um, second of all, the the frustrating thing for me was that I trained literally every engineer. They all went through me first to even learn how to use our program, how to, like, which buttons to press, when and where, like, oh, what cameras you shoot, like, this. Everything, when it came to engineering, they went through me first. And then once I taught them my method, you know, every engineer and their personalities changes of yeah, their timing yeah. and whatnot. And then you can just tell the ones who gave a shit and the ones who didn't, Um which was also frustrating. I was like, you know how to do this because I taught you how to do this right. and I taught you properly. I taught you my way. So how come your way doesn't look like my way? And then that's where you draw the line of who actually gave a shit and who didn't. Yes. yes. And, and some shows would be the person who always gives a shit. Right. And some shows had bells and whistles. We had we had to send in an outline. We had to send in a show rundown. As long as we had yeah. pictures, we had video, different cues. And so some people just some people got it. And it was all great and it ran smoothly. And some folks just didn't. Just didn't. Just didn't care. They were there yeah. for a measly, measly paycheck. If he was like, <clears throat> 
It's yeah. more, I, could, I couldn't even call it a paycheck. <laughs> I love Whatever. it. Yes, but no, you were uh, good. You were good. We, we, we talked a lot of television shows. We did. And this Every is time. Friends and Favorites. So I, well, I'm just going to ask you, James, what is what you'd say your ultimate favorite TV show? That the one so, that just resonates with you forever. Of like, so of all time, any genre, all genres, all time. My, my top, my favorite one. So two come to mind okay. immediately, and they're literally a close tie. And I know we don't do ties, right? You got, you got, I got, I got, I got no, like a gun to my fine. head, right? No, I'll, I'll, I mean, but because you are James Lott Jr., I'll give you two. Thank you. Uh, but no, literally, it's two of them that changed my life. And that was Dallas, Dallas, and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh yeah, that's my show. Yes. All right, Dallas and Buffy. Those are my. I would say those are my two favorite shows, probably of all time, of all genres, and they've had the most impact on my on my life. Okay. Yes. Obviously, I want to talk about Buffy, but let's talk about Dallas first. <laughs> yes. Because if I start with Buffy, then like the whole podcast is just going to be a Buffy podcast. And we, we can't do that. Yes. Dallas, you know, I've actually never seen an episode. I know that was aired, what, 70s, 80s? Mm-hmm. Correct me. How long did that go for? So Dallas just celebrated its 45th anniversary of its premiere. It premiered okay. in 1978 and ended in 1991. It did 13 seasons. And its spinoff, Knots Landing, Aired 14 seasons from 1979 to 1993. Um, and then Dallas came back as a reboot at, yes. on TNT for three seasons. And also have four movies. So in between all that. So what, like TV movies? TV movies, yeah. Okay. Dallas, the early years, War of the Ewings, a bunch of different movies. Were um, they TV movies after the reboot yeah. show? Yeah. Okay. No, before the reboot. In between. Re- before. So after oh. the show ended and before the reboot came back. Interesting. All right. And so how much of the, the main cast is like, was a part of it? Uh, 80%. 80%. 80%. They stayed through the whole thing. In the reboot, they brought back Larry Hagman, um, Linda Gray, and Patrick Duffy, the three main. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has some guest starring people like Gary Ewing came and Lucy. A few came from the past, but it was mostly new, new cast. It was a very new cast. They had Bobby married a chick played by Brenda Strong, who I love from Desperate Housewives. I love Brenda. Yeah, you know what's so well. funny? So Brenda Strong, she is so incredibly sweet. And she's been in a lot of TV shows. If you yes. look her up in like IMDb, her, she's been in like basically all your favorite TV shows. Yes. And she was actually one of the first celebrities, quote unquote, I met in the first year I was out here. Oh. And um, because I think it was either for Dallas or um rgb or all right so yes i love yeah. let's see that's it was one. it was one of those yes. but uh there was a show she she came on an after show for and at that point like i really only knew her work through desperate housewives because yeah. desperate housewives was still going oh yeah and i quite honestly it might have been for that it's been a while uh yeah. and i just remember her being so incredibly sweet okay. and i was like all right brenda you're awesome i love you you're awesome and uh, uh yeah, and, and she left a, I mean, she was only there for an hour, but she left a serious impression for me to still remember her, remember her like 10 plus years later. Yeah, yeah. Um, she also had a show right now called Unprisoned with Kerry Washington and Delroy Lindo. It's on Hulu. 
and she's really okay. good on that to do so. All right. I think so. the last thing I really watched her in was Supergirl. Okay, yeah. Mostly because a friend of mine told me to watch Supergirl, and I couldn't really get past season two. I'm like, all right. It's good. I was more of a Smallville fan than Supergirl, but not to say Supergirl's bad, but Smallville was my generation. Yes. And Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Okay, what is it about Buffy? Because this is my favorite, literally my favorite show of all time, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It had such a, a tremendous emotional impact on me as a teenager and growing into you know my adulthood. Buffy was the reason why I got into martial arts in the first place. Started with Taekwondo, and then it just kind of went from there. But what is it about Buffy that is important to you? So, like, Dallas is the ultimate soap opera to me. Mm -hmm. I, I watch daytime, I watch nighttime. As we know, most shows today are soap operas. They don't call them that. Grey's Anatomy. But they're yeah, All these things. They're soapy. Yeah. Um, Empire, they're all soap operas, but they all yeah. followed this template that Dallas set. Dallas was the first prime time huge soap opera. There were other ones before like Peyton Place was years ago and everything like that, but Dallas really had the anti-hero that everybody loved to hate. Um, also, so then Buffy comes out, we have a female lead, first of all, yes. a female, young female lead, and they weaved, they weaved, they woven so well together the template, which Veronica Mars did later and other shows did later. Veronica was great. I That's about the show. Three seasons. I'm literally looking at all seven <laughs> seasons of Buffy right in front of me. And then yes. not one foot over are the three seasons of Veronica Mars. Yes. yes. As, oh, as she I said, I have the new season on DVD. I should probably get that. I watched that. I saw that. So Buffy yeah. was the template for mixing real life with supernatural. Like, it, like mm -hmm. you, may, you may say bewitched it at first, kind of on some level, um, kind of a little bit, there, but there was like witches, they were kind of campy, but like this one really took, in a serious way and sometimes funny way, the allegories of high school, small town, family, friendships, but they mixed it with this supernatural element. Like it worked. Yeah. There's no other show to me that did it so well. Like it was fantastical, but it was also real. Like you could literally, for me, so I could real. relate to what she was going through. And 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 plus, I knew her as Kendall, who won an Emmy on All My Children. All My Children. Yes. I was a huge fan of hers from that anyway. Um, and a lot of the other people I didn't know who they were. And so, but so funny, so this cast, this ensemble cast was so good together. And the writing was so good. And yeah. it, it almost, it's, it's. The dialogue is so fucking good. I mean, Joss Whedon definitely has one of the best witty banter type of dialogues. And the, the great thing about it is that there, there could be so many moments where Buffy's like, we have to do X, Y, Z. We have to go to here, take out this vampire here. And then she's like, well, that would have been better if I wasn't in my pajamas. <laughs> you know, like you guys would have taken me more seriously. So like there was a perfect balance of seriousness and comedy all in like the same paragraph. And yes. it's, it is so well done. The Some writing. Of the best hours of to me of television i've watched a lot of television same in my 54 years of my life and some of the best hours of television are from that show. i reference from that show all the time yeah. um 
one of one of the best ones is body it's about that that yeah oh my I god mean, i did episode. not win an emmy for the episode body it's like there's we so many standalone why, but... episodes of in each season quite honestly body yeah. definitely stood out in season five you yes. guys go watch it it's yes. fantastic you don't need to really watch the entire show oh, it is a standalone episode and and like i actually rewatched that a couple months ago um I don't know why. I, I must have been in a very mentally fucked up state to, <laughs> to watch that episode. But there's no music at all in that episode. You were literally following Buffy around the house. It was up, real time. Finding her mother. Yes. And just like real time. But even at the end of it, you're seeing everyone's different reactions to it. You're seeing anger from Xander. You're seeing confusion from Anya one of, one of the best performances we uh, ever yeah, saw like, from Anya yes, yes yes because she truly didn't understand what was happening she didn't yes. understand mortality yes. she, like you also felt for her in that way because there that was true naivety on that character well, who is known for best her monologue so best. good but like the beautiful thing is like her character is known for being the comedic one and for her to truly actually cry and break down yep. and then Villa oh my god oh my god yeah, I'm like, I'm going to get choked up just yes. thinking about it. Willow and Tara together having their first kiss. Oh, God, I love this episode. I could, We could just like recap this entire episode right now. But yeah, body's yes. so good. That How did it not win a fucking Emmy? Because it was supernatural. They didn't. They I just, know. Nowadays, they'll do Bullshit. it back then. They just wouldn't. The performances on that show. Because um, also a graduation day. Yeah. Um, I know. What was it? Scream? Not Scream. Um, Hush. Hush, thank Hush. you. Hush. Yeah. Where there's no there's no dialogue. No, because they literally take your voices and you can't scream. Right. That's that's the beauty of those demons. I watch I watch Hush a lot too. <laughs> Generally, Hush. mostly through you know when it's Halloween time. Yeah. All right. What's your favorite episode of Buffy? If you will be, be it will either be Body or Graduation body. Day. Or Graduation uh, Day. Okay. I'd have to say, <laughs> Big Gift. That's a good one. That's a good one too. Big yes. Because actually when I first started watching Buffy, it was in the middle of season five. Okay. That's how I mean I was young. I yeah, was yeah, preteen when that yeah. aired back yeah. in two thousand one. Um yeah, so I was in the middle of season five and I I started like literally middle of the season. So it was airing real time and what have you. And then it got to the body, and then it got to um the gift at the end i was like holy shit the season she's dead what it can't be over and then we know the whole drama with wb and upn and then upn was like well we're gonna pick you up if wb is gonna cancel you yeah so yeah season five is definitely my favorite uh i don't um season five is good i mean i do like season two i feel like it really fell into its stride um, like so, we could talk. About, we could do a whole after show on this. We could. Um, I like, just, I just. Literally, Buffy's my favorite show. So. Yeah, no, it is. I, I just, but I just, for me again, I just always reference a lot of times. I tell people, you want to watch some good television, like a good hour. I reference a lot of shows from Buffy. Even the musical episode was the bomb. Yeah. Or feeling. Sure. I have the soundtrack. More with feeling. So I have I. it. Um, but it's, but it was fun. But like, it's just, it's, and I love the way it ended. I love, and even before the, okay, even before the ending, I loved Faith. I hit it when Kendra got killed. Oh, I'm going to spoil it for everybody. Things spoiler like that. Alert. Spoiler yeah. alerts. Um, you know, I met her too. 
the um the the actress who plays Kenji. Oh. Yeah. yeah, you better. Okay. Well. Yeah, she came to she came to after Buzz TV. She was promoting Pretty Little Liars. And girl, oh my God, I tell you, like she looked younger than me. And she's in wow. her 40s. I mean, wow. like black don't crack, really. Don't crack but you yeah. can tell she she was teeny. And yeah. you can tell like she took very well of herself. herself very yeah. yeah, she took care of herself. But I was like, no way are you like pushing 40 at that time. Yeah, because um, um, she seriously that, looked younger than. But I that think. there's there's a whole storyline on that. But the, I love I like the premise. Oh my god, there's blood on your shirt, and then and then homegirl dies, and Will turns. Oh god! Died. Oh my <laughs> god! It's like your shirt, so, your shirt. There's just so it's just so much. There's just so much. And I watched the I watched it in real time. Obviously, I was watching. So I watched I. It so that episode. I was hysterical. We'll see. Hysterical. But what's before I get there for one second. Because yes. really, I was watching it in real time, the previews were like Buffy gets shot. They were they were so we were all worried about her. I remember mm-hmm. she was outside by that time. Now get to the weeds of this. She was outside, and like, but then so that so when that thing so then we were watching the episode, going okay, Buffy's gonna get shot. That's probably gonna happen. Blah blah. Yeah. Then you're like, wait a minute, and you're like, there's blood. Your shirt. Your and shirt. Like, and oh my god, it was like no. And then Willow's eyes turned dark. Dark. Seeing red, seeing red, yeah. But also, yeah, and then crazy. like that that had the craziest four part episode finale. Yes. Oh yeah, for season six. Yes. Oh my god, I was hysterical all four of those episodes. Yes. Yeah. Also, like, even the early seasons, I liked Oz. I liked, I you know, I like, I liked, I've you know, I like, I liked the whole Angel storyline. I mean, I did what she had to, what she had to send him to hell, had to kill him. Yeah, Angel went that batshit was- crazy. It was paid, paid. But even later with her, because I do know, because of course I know Spike, I know James Marsters, I know him. Yeah, same. Um, but but saying that but the whole divide, I totally get it. I, I was like, who knew that her and Spike would actually have chemistry? Like it just it did. Were you for it? Were you for Spuffy? At first, no. At first it wasn't because I was because it was all about it was Angel. But it was all about yeah. that, that was her, you know. And then I was like, no, actually, I get. They did a good job. Once again, they did a good job in kind of explaining where he's coming from mm-hmm. and how, you know, and, and then how she could be attracted to that. It was like, it was, I feel like they did a good job. It was, it was one of those toxic relationships, yes. toxic doomed relationships that you actually enjoyed watching. Yes, exactly. And the thing is, cause you know, I edit a lot of fan videos too. I did more spuffy videos than I did Angel. I was like, all right, I didn't think I would be for Spuffy, but they're hot. They are like, oh shit! Season six, they like really amped up the explicit. She got rating. older. It was, was older. yeah, I'm like she was in her twenties now, and she she yeah. she had already done college or like left college, yeah. but she she was at that age where like she didn't have her guardians. Her her mother died. Um, Giles left, so she was on her own, and she was like. In her own way, really exploring herself. The one thing that I had had to grow on me, and if she went away, I wouldn't be upset. Ugh, Dawn. When they introduced the key, yeah, she was Dawn. I was not for it at all. And I mean, and I'm still like, Ugh. I mean, I could I could do without her. Um, I, I I don't think she really added that, but she just added another person from Buffy to care about, obviously. Right. Uh, but it was just kind of like. I remember when that happened, they were trying to bring a younger audience. I mean, I know what they're trying to do. I get what television does. Um, but she was okay. Like she was okay. She was competent. She was fine. 
um, <laughs> barely but I, competent. But yeah. I think the annoying thing with Dawn was that she was just that typical annoying teenage girl that you're like, oh, why do we have to deal with you? We yes, just yes. got out of high school. Now we yes. have another high schooler to yes. deal with. Yes. Yeah. And I like the ending. I thought the ending was great that there's a bunch of Buffy's out there, so to speak. I actually love that female empowerment. And you mentioned Joss Whedon because we all know some stuff came out since then. Oh, uh, yeah, one thing that Joss, and I've also read his Wonder Woman script, they bought Joss Whedon. He writes really well for women, ironically. He I does. Mean, he, really, he, I mean, he really does. I mean, no, he's great. Did you ever watch Dollhouse afterwards? Yes. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. 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 Oh, he's, he's good. Oh, he's I mean, good. He I mean, yes, we love her too. That's that's, that's our yeah. girl. My mother, I love that show. We love we love Dollhouse. Dollhouse uh, was so but he good. writes he writes good he writes good parts for women. Ironically, so yes. So mm-hmm. I mean, and which is something we we definitely needed because I mean, yeah, female protagonists like strong female protagonists were like, uh, you know, really rare in the eighties and nineties. You saw it every once in a while in movies. I mean, hello, Alien and Ripley and stuff. But to have a lead female television show in the 90s, like I, I think it was like Buffy and Xena were like the only shows that I can think of in the 90s that were like really empowering, really inspiring and motivating in, in that way. Buffy, you know, was more friendly to me because Xena got a little, <laughs> a little over the top at some points. Uh, but I should do a rewatch of Xena. Oh my god! <laughs> I've never watched an episode of Xena in my life. Um, I didn't get into my friends. So for me, because I'm a little older than you, for yeah. me in the seventies, I was a huge, huge, huge Body Corner fan. Lindsay Wagner was my girl. I thought she was beautiful. Okay. Uh, and Charlie's Angels. So for us, yeah, we Charlie's had female Angels. shows. We had Wonder Woman also. So we had female-led shows. But there was still a little cheese factor to him. Mm-hmm. Bionic Woman was a little more serious because Lindsay Wagner was a serious actress. Where Toys Angels, they had the hair and the boobs. We were watching yeah. them. Then the Carter had the boobs and the hips. You know, we were watching <laughs> all that. It was, it was a little more, which I'll take nothing away from because I love them and they were great. But you're right. Once the 70s ended, the 80s, we didn't see, I mean, just, we didn't see it. It's like it was all, I mean, Besides, like Kate Malley or Cagney and Lacey or those kind of shows, Cagney and Lacey, yeah. Cagney and Lacey those kind of shows. <laughs> um, you're right; there was not much in the '90s. It was family-friendly stuff. It seemed like it was all family yeah. stuff. The only girl things I can think of was Living Single, maybe. Yeah, and I never watched Living Single either. Oh, song's bomb. That, that movie is I mean, movie. The T-shirt's bomb. Yeah. But I think that's. I mean, and there was girlfriends in the 2000s, but like there really wasn't. That you're right; there wasn't that many female-led stuff. Not How did really. you get into Buffy? What, like, was it you or were you introduced to it by someone else? It was me. I, I happened to I happened to, happen to hear about this 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 thing because I watched the movie. I used to have the poster on my wall. Oh, so yeah. I saw the movie which is very different folks. Christy Swanson. Christy Swanson and, uh, and Luke Perry. Very different. Mm-hmm. All very different kind of thing. But I thought it was hilarious. I had the poster. Literally, I have pictures. It was always on my wall. I, I had it. So I heard it was doing a movie. I was like, are we sure? But see, I like female leads that are kind of sardonic and everything. Because I was, I was a, you know, I was a Heather's fan. I was a Daria fan. I, I love I love that yeah. kind of, I love that kind of stuff. So I thought oh, Heather's interesting. This could be interesting. So I remember saying, I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna watch the first I always say I'll watch the first episode, see how I feel. And the first episode I was hooked. 
I was, I was hooked from the very beginning, but I did see the movie. I saw the movie first, and I like I liked the movie. So, but I wasn't sure what I was going to get. I wasn't just I was like, it's going to be serious, it's going to be funny. Right. But it was cool. and that's the thing. You have the advantage over me because because uh, you are older. My older sister Lisa was the one who introduced me right. to Buffy because she was into Xena and and Buffy and all that, and I got into Buffy just like kind of osmosis because she was. Yes. I was just like in the room. And we were together and we were watching and I was like, this, this is a great show. And uh, so, yeah, I started watching when I was like 11. Okay. 2001. Now I'm aging myself. Yeah. Yeah. I was young. I was preteen, definitely into, and then I like watched it religiously, got super obsessed with it um, in the way like my like compulsive obsessed with it. Like that's all I would talk about. People called me Buffy Freak in, in grade school true story uh i was like that's okay because i was known for the person who loved buffy and then well, I, I got my daughter so we had that in common so we were watching it together she got i got her into it i thought it was a good show for young women young girls to see i thought it was a great yeah, it was a, sure. very empowering show um so she got into it um so we so we had a thing together and then the spice girls came out around that around that time and so yeah, that was and then the wb had some solid shows because I, I was more of a wb and yeah. so we had, um, especially at, at the the end of the 90s and the early aughts of 2000, we had Buffy, Charmed, which is like my second favorite show, Charmed, yes. and then, you know, Smallville was there, uh, Gilmore Girls, Party Veronica of Mars, yeah, yeah, Party of Five, I have all the seasons yeah, of Party of Five as well. Yeah, WB. Well, great shows, yeah. well, great shows. Oh, yeah, they're friends. Gilmore Girls would be one of my top ten also, that's another yeah. one of my top Yes, we know that already. That's yeah, our yeah, we do. That, that's a whole nother show. Conversation. That's another conversation. Yeah. Yes. I'm so glad you said Buffy because like, oh shit, we, we just talked like 20 minutes about that. <laughs> no, because I mean, seriously, I, no, think, I think I even have a comic of the eighth season, the eighth season. Oh, yeah. Um, I just think it's a, I think it's a great show for teen girls, young women to watch because it really is very empowering. And it's very relatable. I think boys should watch it too. It's it's just it's, I think it's I think it's a really great show. And it really most of the seasons were really good. I mean, I, yeah. you know, some seasons kind of lose it. I feel like hers they did a pretty good job throughout those seven seasons. And you know what? It still ages pretty well because yeah. I was just watching it a couple of months ago, and I'm like, no, this is still relevant. <laughs> this is very relevant. Yes. Well, I want to mention just like because because it does what spinoff was Angel, and yeah. I didn't appreciate Angel when it came out. I appreciate it later. I tried. No, but I went back later. See, I went back later and watched it after it was mm -hmm. off the air. And I actually went and it was it was coming out early in the morning on some channel, like TNT or some some channel. And so I started DVRing them. Not DVRing them. Back then I was taping them. TiVo. <laughs> or TiVo, whatever the fuck it was beginning. So I but I started appreciating the show because the first season and sixties were very different. They did they finally tried to get the dark side of LA and Charisma Carpenter being on there, being Cordelia. They finally yeah. fleshed out her character. So, but, so for me, Amy Acker. Yeah, Amy Acker. Yes, I don't want to. Poor, what's his name? Who, who died later on Roseanne? Who was on Roseanne? Um, but no, I liked. I end up. I end up liking it more now than I did when it first came out. I understand it. I I understand what they were going for. I understand yeah. what they were going for. I'm not a huge Dare Boreanaz fan anyway, but whatever. Yeah. You know that. Um, I tried. I I couldn't get past season two. Okay. Season one was solid. Yeah. And, and especially when you had the crossovers when Buffy came over to like kind of help introduce the show. But then season two, I, I it lost my interest because there were so many freaking flashbacks to 
quote unquote badass angel before he gained his soul and like when he was just like a straight up baddie and everyone was afraid of him there were too many flashbacks i was like okay we get it you're a badass like can we just like get to you know the present day um it it was like one too many flashbacks i was like "Uh, i can't I don't know, it broke up the momentum and I couldn't get past season two. So I'm sure it's great. I just I liked it. I liked couldn't it. do it. Maybe, I liked it later. maybe another day. I said I went back to it later. And that happens sometimes. Yeah. You go back later. You go, oh, okay. By the time, yeah, no Buffy to me holds up. Yeah. So good. So good. I love and that. Same with, and same with Dallas. I can watch both. I have all I have all 13 seasons on DVD. Uh with the new set. Al 13, wow. I know. I love it. I mean, who shot JR? That was a, I, I was 10 years old when that happened. I had a t-shirt that was a family tree of who could have done it. Um, I just remember how big, I mean, that was like back when we only had three channels, folks, and cable was really new. Uh, so the whole world, I mean, the reveal of who shot JR, we all were home. I mean, my mom, we all in this house. I was in this house. We all sat in the living room and we we're all glued to the TV set to see who shot JR. Spoiler alert, it was Kristen. Um, oh. But it had one of the largest audiences of all time. It was like 110 million people watched all at once. And oh, that was wow. like, it was like 90% of television sets watch that in the world. You know, you don't get that anymore. You don't get that anymore. No, you don't. It's crazy. And that's real time. That's without that's like time. the cell phones. That's without like any other distractions that we had. People actually took the effort to sit down and watch in front of the television. Yeah, we had to. We had to sit and watch it. I remember watching yeah. it. We were always we all took bets of who shot you. I thought it was Sue Ellen. You you watched that with your family? Oh, we all sat. Um, we all sat there and watched it. It was like you know, the who's the shot? The shooting, shooting. You understand? Shooting a main character of a show was never done before, and so the who shot Jr. thing was a shock to us. At the end of the episode, he walks out and gets shot. They were like, yeah, and then ended. We're like, ended, and then it was a writer strike. Then it was like oh, there was no show. Like this whole break. So we're like, so the whole, so the whole thing is. Well, she knows because she's on television. She knows television. But usually, because yeah. that happened like in a, like a March. And then we had like, or whatever, April or whatever. Then we had to wait the rest of the season. And then all the summer, they came back late. because They hadn't oh, fixed it yet. So then, that's painful. So, so it was November. It was in November when we found out. Holy crap. That's like, what, seven month break? Yes. That's ridiculous. We had to wait. Yeah, and yeah, so, and Larry Hagman said he left. He went to Europe. And they're all like, you can't die. He goes, I could, but he negotiated money, more money, because he was the star of the show, and it worked out. Mm-hmm. And they didn't, they didn't, they didn't kill him. There you go. Yes, that's kind of great. Wow. So, but both, but, but to me, both shows just they hold up, and they're also templates to other shows that came later. Yeah, I mean, so many shows. We we could talk television all day. I mean, that's how we met. We met on a network talking about television. Yes. But I know you do love your movies too, and I'm. Obviously, I'm a filmmaker in and of itself who love movies, movie buff in a, in my own right. But I want to know what your favorite movie is. I, I think I kind of know a couple. Yeah, I have one I, I, one at the top of my head, but I, I like. But do I know you as well as I think I do? Well, we've talked movie? over the years. We talk, I, have, I have like five movies that in, in rotation that are my favorites. Okay. And I'll name the others and I get to the favorite one. And that is um, Willy Wonka in a Chocolate Factory. Classic. Airplane. Yes. <laughs> uh, my, but I said I fever. But my number one movie of all time is Heather's. Heather's. Okay. Yeah. My all time. Which one do you think I was going to say? I honestly, it was either Heather's or Xanadu. 
And it was Xanadu's one of my other one of my other favorites too. One of my okay. other favorites. I was like, I remember we had like a full conversation about Xanadu. <laughs> yes, we did. I did the after show for it. I did it on what's her name's um I know, yeah. I know. Yeah, but no, I think, I, I think that's why. <laughs> yeah, but Heather's, yeah, that's my and I like the the musical was good too. I saw the musical, but I didn't watch the new series that came out. I didn't watch that. But Heather's yeah. is, is one of my favorite movies. It's so, oh my god, it has everything you want. It's so good. And those three girls individually, especially in the 90s. Um, I mean, wait, was that? That was the 90s. 89, or did it come 89. 89? I was like, it was bridging the 80s yes, to the 90s. It was. It was. I mean, we had young Shannon Doherty as well. Yes. Um, who yes. was like in her prime, definitely in the 90s with Beverly yes. Hills, 90210 and all that. But yeah, that cast, those three girls pitted against each other. Like together they were good, but individually you're like, Oh, they're all nasty, but I love watching them. So for me, because I saw it in real time, I had known Shannon from Our House. That was a show in the 80s with Marlena from Days of Our Lives. She was doing two shows at once. Uh, Deidre Hall, Wilfred Brimley, and at her. Wilfred Brimley. Brimley, yes. I was like, (laughs) I'm aging myself, but. Yeah, where has he been? Who knows, right? But they had a hit show on on, CBS, and she was on that show. And I knew her from that. The other two girls I had never seen before. I had never seen them, and they were just brilliant in this. Well, corn nuts. But I, I love. I know every line of movie also. And then you have, then you have Renata Ryder, who I knew from yeah. Beetlejuice and a few yeah. other things. Yeah. Um, and I was at that at that point, she's also from Northern California, so she's from Petaluma. And so I had friends who knew her from school and stuff. And so I was like, so I, but I really didn't know her that well either. And to me, the four of the Heathers and the Veronica um, were just, and every side character, and Christian Slater is JD. Slater. Um, the parents who are the clueless parents. It was like, and, it, and the thing about this movie that really that really gets me is that, again, great commentary on suicide, actually, and yeah. high school, and cliques, and, and, my, and my favorite line of, one of my favorite lines of all time of any movie comes from this movie. When I will tell you guys, spoiler alert. So when Veronica and JD kill the first Heather, she says she goes corn nuts and falls her face into the glass table. She goes, I think I just killed my best friend. He goes, and your worst enemy. I love that line so much because it actually sums up like how high school is and how people yeah. like it's just it's I mean, it's just, and my other favorite line is, I love my get dead gay son. That's another one, too. That's <laughs> I, I, just, I mean, I mean, they made them, they made them I gay. Love... When they died. Yeah. I guess it's the one. And, and also, Homegirl said, who produced the movie, they made sure there were no, like, cultural references, so to speak, like, um, that would age the movie. So when they say you're so very, and all things like that, mm-hmm. and what's your damage, Heather? Those were all made up for the movie, and literally, there's, there's no time period with them. It's timeless. And I'm sad that I know the original ending they wanted to do was a little too dark, um, but the ending that happened was fine too. I, I'm, I'm on. The I ending. mean, it gets dark at some points. I mean, there's a whole chase scene with knife oh, yeah. and all that. So, I mean, it it does have its fair share of when homegirl is hanging there, she pretends she killed herself. And he goes. I mean, I thought, yeah, I was going to kill you, but I loved you. I was like, I, was like, I, just, I mean, just yeah. Slater was the bomb. I mean, I remember he was like a heartthrob. Yeah, he was a heartthrob. That, that was back in his heartthrob days. Yes. Yeah, for sure. I remember, was it Untamed Hearts? 
Yes. Him and Marissa Tomei. Oh yes. my God, I lost my the other shit Marissa. in that Marissa movie. Tomei. Yeah, the other Marissa. Her. Like, she's the only other Marissa that I can say you know, <laughs> spells my name. My cousin Vinny to me yeah. is one of her best performances. It's just so good. It's so good. But anyway, I digress. Yeah, I was like, that, that was Christian Slater. Yeah, yes. that one. Oh, I... It's been a very long time since I watched Untamed Hearts. I was like, for obvious reasons. Oh, yeah. But him in that movie, oh, shoot. Oh, he was a heartthrob, yeah. but he, he was, was so good in this. And there was so much promise around him when the movie came out. They're just thinking he'll be the next kind of James Dean kind of character. There's a lot of promise. He didn't fully fulfill it, but he's still working. He's been, like, he was on a lot of great shows. He's still working, great movies. So he's still around. Still around. Yeah, good for him. And right, we know her, so, of course. We know her. Yeah. Heather's, I mean, that's a solid movie. I have to rewatch that again. It's been a while. I, did, I think the last time I was watching it, I was actually texting you. And then we were just going back and forth with quotes. It's like, it's like, what's the other one? I got a jet if I'm going to make that funeral. It's like, it's just the, the, the yeah. parents, whatever. Like, the dialogue yeah. is so smart because I think the thing is, it's also like, I think the great thing about that movie also highlights like what we actually say to our quote-unquote friends and what we would truly say when they're not there yeah. and like I, I i think it was like the moment when they they have the funeral and i think it's shannon Doe's doherty's character where she says something about like yeah um but it's like her true feelings of her knowing that she's dead that she can actually finally say what she wants to say yeah. about her it's like the this dichotomy of what we say to people when they're alive versus what we say when they're dead yes yeah that's a brilliant film i got i know it, i think one of the actual heathers is dead in real life i think, I think the first one is dead in real life oh. I, I was sad when i heard them here like, yeah. they're around my age they're all around my age now but i thought that was kind of sad yeah. like oh and that's again they're around my age so it's kind of like i can relate to it because they're around my i mean i was out of high school yeah. by then but we yeah, were they're, around they're older than me and i'm like i always forget we have a 20 year difference but yeah. that doesn't mean anything yes uh yeah, and but we like like you said at the beginning of the show, we do have the same taste in music. What would you categorize your favorite genre? Was it like what's the one that you just listen to the most? Or dance, or dance to dance? Oh, dance, we dance, we dance. That's okay. the one. Even though know, I like all kinds, as you know, I like all kinds of music. But I yeah. think the one that I go to a lot is dance music, because um, we like to say like, at home, you guys will be watching, listening to this. A lot of times we'll say each other songs of our people, whether it's Luther or really. But a lot of times yeah. I'll send the dance remixes. That's kind of what I'm listening to all the time. Even though I like the original versions, I love them. But a lot of times I'm listening to music to get me upbeat and get me going. Yeah. Um, I feel like a good belter too sometimes. But I no, I, I think dance probably the genre I listen to. Dance. Disco, You've heard I, me belt. <laughs> oh, we, you know, we, we both have heard so, so, so sing. Yeah. But no, but I think that's. That's my go-to is dance disco. I mean, I, I like I like to say that more than anything else. So then okay. next next week, pop. Pop. Okay. I have to ask this because you are gay. But is it do you, is it the queerness that makes it the dance more enjoyable than the original? Because my oldest brother is also gay, and yeah. he also uh, we we bond over music too. But every time he sends me songs, it's the techno version. I'm like, yeah, great song. Also, like amped up even more with the techno version so i i don't know i see it more within the the queer community than i do with the the straight that's true and yeah. it's very true because we're the uh, no, i want to okay first of all about the 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 voice of all gay people yeah me in neither. larger <laughs> cities 
uh, and, and larger city, gay communities, larger cities are queer because it gets queer now. Communities, larger yeah. cities, a lot of club culture, uh, a lot of going to places, and mostly they play dance music. So it started in the 90s, but they would take regular songs and dance them up. Mariah Carey right. actually has the distinction where she would go in and re-record her vocals to match the dance songs. Um, so the songs were extra good. Hers were always extra good. But that was a lot of times they would take a regular slow song and then they would just disco it out and techno it out. Um, and so if you're like me, I went clubbing four or five times a week at any given time. So I haven't been the- to a club since like college. <laughs> I've been a long time a girl. It's been um, a while. But that's, but that's the point. So I think, and so that, but a lot of, especially queer men, especially uh, many, will go out to clubs. And so that's the music you'll listen to. We just, it just kind of, it just makes it more. But I grew up with disco because my mom, I grew up with dancing okay. because she was also a dancer and she liked dancing and disco was really big. So I think it just stuck with me. Both things just stuck. It just kind of kept going. And then I used to go to high energy clubs when I was in high school with my girlfriends and uh, a place called Florentine Gardens out here and places like that. And, and they play all the, you know, Lisa Lisa and Cult Jam and all these things. So it was all the dance, that kind of dance. So dance has always been consistent in my life. I used to watch Soul Train. I used to watch American, you know. So it's kind of like that dance was, has always been in my life, I think. Yeah, I definitely, you, you mentioned that that they like to take the slow songs and like make it faster. Um, one song that I, I made, you remember Uninvited by Alanis Morissette? Yeah, yeah. One of the like seriously one of the slowest songs, yep. and my brother sent me the Freemasons version of it. Freemasons, I love that. So good. It's good. I'm I like, know the song. Yep. I don't know how you can make Uninvited even faster, even cooler, but damn, they did it. Yeah. They did. So like free, Freemasons. Yeah, I don't see man. I don't see Masons. I, they do make remixes. Yeah. It was free back when it was Freemasons? Thunderpuss was a group that would do all these remixes. It's mm-hmm. a lower name. Um, later it's, it's Chris Cox was his name or somebody else did do stuff. Um, they do stuff. Steve Silk Hurley. A lot, there were a lot of these mixes that Frankie Knuckles or a lot of guys would take these songs and your favorite divas and everything. And, and you know, the dance was like going to church. You're just like, I can feel the music and you're drinking mm-hmm. and other things too back then. And we're doing all kinds of stuff around a good time. And that music just kind of matched it. Um, so it's like, it's kind of, I'm old. So it stuck with me. I'm old. No, that's no, great. I, Quite honestly, I thought you were going to say R&B, like me. I love R&B. So, I, I love I love R&B. I think that's, that's another way how we bonded was just like all the music in 90s R&B. Yes, you, uh, our friend Flobo, voice, uh, and a few others, and Tony Moore, they always laugh because every once in a while they'll sing a song that's from my generation. I go, you know that song? Because of their parents. So their parents are <laughs> my generation. So it's like, so I mean, but it always it's always it's my heart because you guys know some of these artists, I'm like, you know who Luther Randall, you know who Gregory Abbott, like, you guys know who these, these people are. And like, it makes me happy because that's my time period. Because 80s R&B, 70s R&B, even some, even some 90s R&B, some 90s R&B got a little too whiny, but I like, <laughs> I, I like, I like it. It's like, I just, especially 80s R&B, I just, I just, oh, by Stephanie yeah. Mills and everybody, I just, I just love all that stuff. I mean, and Luther and Teddy Pettigrass and Luther, they were, they were uh, all played in my house. I listening to Luther Vandross's voice. Jeffrey Osborne. I mean, there was just a lot of, I, I, lo- I do love R&B also, I do. You know, that's one of my things. I, lo- I love, I mean, I mean, I'll say Whitney Houston's first album was, is her best to me on some level because it really was just her R&B singing a uh, yep. few pop songs. She didn't get so poppy yet. Um, but her first album was the bomb. 
She was like, she was really entrenched in that R&B sound at first. I was literally listening to How Do I Know in the car like three hours ago. So, I mean, uh-huh. y- you know, Whitney is on constant rotation. Yes, every, I'm on me too. On me every too. day. So, yes, like, I never get tired of her voice. Nope. But yeah, that's I mean Because the thing is, like, with you and I, we enjoy a lot of music. And I like to say I, I like the older, quote unquote, m- music from the 70s and 80s. Mostly because, like, I have siblings that are also your age. So and so every time we're they're like Marissa, you know this? I was like, yeah, but like I had three older siblings who listened to this on the regular when they were you know teenagers in their twenties and stuff. So me being a kid and maybe it's just my very uh, fertile memory, um, it's just like I, I remember listening to that a lot as a kid. So like naturally, I grew up with it too. And then, of course, like the music of my generation, like I grew up with that as well. But like I did have a very wide span of music generations within those like 30 years. I think a lot of us do. It's funny because I have siblings also and I have parents who played music. So Mm -hmm. I say a lot of my I always my brother and I, my brother, Jan, always say this to, to my mother. She was the most diverse in my family in terms of music. She would listen to Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. But also, oh, nice and young. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, she would, she would, I mean, her taste would, uh, she listened to Luther Randros and Teddy Pendergrass, but also she listened to Derrick Bowie and Kiss. But like, she would, her thing ranged. So, a lot of my musical taste, my brothers, we said, is from her because she would play Kenny Rogers and then Donna Summer. I mean, like, it's like, it was just, it was no big deal. It was like, just if they were good, she liked the music and her yeah. albums reflected that. My father was a little more, Small, so you like Billy, you like uh Barry Manilow, and and but he did like Wham when Wham came out. I was like, Yeah, Wham's album, he loved Wham, uh, George Michael's voice, but he liked all the he liked the Linda Ronstadt, he liked you know, like he liked the kind of America, Bread, all those soft groups, Air Supply, I'm all out of love, I'm all out of love, stuff. So he liked all that stuff, but which I like it too. But my mother was very well rounded, so like you, that older sisters would play. Where were they were playing? I once you play B fifty twos and Peter Frampton. B fifty twos, yeah. I, I listen to B fifty twos all the time. Yeah, me too. Um, but then, so it's kind of funny. So you're right. You get influenced also by if you're one of the middle. I'm one of the middle children. If you're one of the middle or younger children, you do hear your siblings playing stuff. Um, mm-hmm. My brother and I went to rap when it first came out because we were there when it first came out. I got I got King of Rock when it first came out from Run DMC, um, and it's all that stuff. So we had that. So it's like it, our house was always filled. We always played music. We always played music in our house, in the car, in the house, and everything. So always. Yeah, I definitely got a lot of influence from my dad. My dad and my siblings. My mom, not so much. I mean, like she, she wasn't. She's not really like God love her, but she can't carry a tune to save her life. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So I mean, I grew up with like Christopher Cross, Luther Vandross, Eric Clapton. Oh yeah. yeah. So like the seventies, eighties, definitely Kenny Loggins. Oh, my oh God. yes. I can listen to him forever as well. This you know this. Yeah. yeah, like you, yeah, like I love Kenny. Michael Kenny, McDonald, like, all of them. Oh yeah, yeah. Doobie Brothers. Holy Doobie shit! Brothers. How many times yeah. did we listen to the Doobie Brothers? Yeah, I do love Michael McDonald's as well. So <laughs> like, I I got like a lot of the the male influence from my father, and then like the R and B and stuff from my sisters. And and but like my oldest sister Gina, she was big into the R and B, which like covered Mariah and yeah. and Whitney and stuff. And then uh, 
like Lisa, she loved, you know, Pink Floyd. <laughs> so she liked the rock. Yes. So the, the rock kind of music in, in that aspect. So, so like I got a lot of different variations. And then me being so weird in my small town, like I loved country. I naturally loved country okay. out of all the everyone. I was the country one. So okay, I was funny. the country fan. Um, yeah. I like country. Yeah. So like, like yeah. I was like, yeah, I have like a wide variety. I was like, if you have a good singing voice, good beat, or like just a good tone and music, I'm gonna listen to you. I don't care who you are, or what genre it is. If it's if it resonates with me, I'm gonna listen to it. Okay, like my latest country guy that I like is is Chris Stapleton. I love his stuff. It comes out. Yeah, I his love his voice. It. Is great. It's really good. But I mean, you know, I grew up with real McIntyre and, Tra- mm-hmm. and Randy Travis and George Strait. So I mean, I had cousins in the South. So I, I, I mean, I like some country. Like, yeah, I'm like you. If it sounds good and has a good beat, I'll listen to it. Now, of course, I was a huge Shania Twain fan and Garth Brooks yes. fan. Huge. Oh my God! If you can imagine, like little five year old Marissa singing <laughs> "Any Man of Mine" Aww. over and over again in 1995. Is there yeah. a video? I want to see it. Oh my God! I wish, but <laughs> there was. So we used to go to the library, like I always do. But my yeah. mom would always take my brother and I, my brother Tony and I, to the library, and that's when they had, you know, the albums, the CDs. Oh, yeah. We, we yeah. did have CDs, um, and you can rent them. And yeah. Shania Twain's CD, we would rent so many times, and we would listen to that song, like that whole album on repeat. And I was like five years old. I was like kindergarten, first grade. I was twenty five, so yes, I understand. Twain. I was like twenty four, twenty five, so yes. Yeah, so like just imagine little Marissa singing this in like the backseat of a car. <laughs> no, I always loved country, even at a young age. Yeah. yeah. For some reason, and the, the good thing about country is like it's it's for the most part, it's very family friendly, very clean. Yeah. There's not but much story, cursing. It's storytelling. It's storytelling. It, it is storytelling. I mean, what I, I equate because like once you listen to enough country, you, there's a there's a template when it comes to country music. There's a heartbreak song, there's a heart song, there's a song about drinking, song about family, and a song about where you grew up from. If you yep. have all five of those types of songs, then you're a country artist. And you listen to any country artist now, they have those they at do. least five different types of songs. Yeah. 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 But like the, that's like the formula to the country music. They just said that uh, Gene Buffett's now a billionaire. So he just ended the he ended the billionaire club or something because his restaurants, his music, off for one big song. Margaritaville. So you never yeah. know. You never. You just never it's know. You never, never know. It's a great song. You just never know. I've been to some of his Margaritavilles. I've been to some There's restaurants. There's a Margaritaville in uh, City Walk. That's right. There is. I've not yeah. been to that one actually. I, I, I go to that one a lot. Not gonna lie. That's I'm, so funny. Almost I'm, every other time I go to City Walk, I go to Margaritaville. Somehow I end up there. That's so funny. Couldn't tell you why, because I'm not the biggest tequila fan. But And now he's rich because of you, so thank you. He thanks you very much. Yeah, you're welcome, Jimmy Buffett. I have funded your career. <laughs> he's all, thank you, Marissa. I, I appreciate that, yes. Yeah, he, like, I wasn't the, I mean, I like Jimmy. I wasn't biggest fan of his, in more so in the sense that, like, I didn't listen to him constantly or, like, on the regular. Although he did have a song with my favorite singer of all time, Martina McBride, who's a female country singer. They yes. label her as the the country version of Celine Dion because yes. she is a powerhouse voice. Um, but she had a song with Jimmy Buffett when I was a teenager uh, called Trip Around the Sun, where it's about like turning one year older, your birthday, and just like yeah. loving life, loving and appreciating life 
even as you're aging. So yes. great song. Go listen to it. Trip around the sun. Jimmy Buffett, Martina McBride. Okay. Yeah, I remember she, I remember she kind of was her. It was Mary Chapin Carpenter. It oh was my God. Her. I loved it. I love that. Came out the same I was listening time. to her too in the car. Yeah. Her, her I know, album. I know all them. I know all that film people. No, they're, so my mom and I, we would listen to Mary Chapin Carpenter's uh, 90s, whatever album that she dropped in the 90s. I mean, she dropped a few. Yeah. But there was one that we listened to. On well, she's one that had big hit this Down year. in Mary's Land. Mm-hmm. Yes. White T-shirt. Yeah. Oh, my God. I loved, loved Mary Chapin Carpenter. And I, and I love Bluegrass. I like Alison Krauss. I like yeah. um, Trampled by Turtles. I like, uh, it's a bunch of groups I like. Uh, the Carolina Chocolate Drops, they all do this kind of bluegrass stuff. Really good stuff. Robert Plant did a song, did an album with Alison Krauss, It's the Bomb. It was a bluegrass album, It's the Bomb. So I mean, it's just, I like, kind of, I mean, if it sounds like, like you, if it sounds good, I'll give it a shot. If it sounds good. Yeah, to me. I couldn't really get into bluegrass other than Alison Krauss and Union Station. Yeah. And then she kind of went on her own. And she, but yeah. like, she was more successful with Union Station yes. yeah. than she was by herself. All right. Oh my God. Again, I could talk country all day. A lot of people wouldn't know it, but right. I, I always joke that country is actually one of the better things and one of the only good things that comes from the Midwest. See, there <laughs> so you go. See, you learn some new Chris and I. I actually America. like country. I like country I too. Do. I really do. I mean, I hosted Nashville and a real country after show. I hosted a lot of the country shows. Like, I did the CMT uh, and the CMA award after shows all that people don't know that but i did yes uh yeah okay we're, we're gonna take a pivot i know you are big in organization you are a professional organizer and yep. love to clean where did that come from i brother asked you this question last night actually really okay that's so weird she asked me that last i know you're gonna, gonna ask me this she asked me that question oregon i've always been because I, I was i was in a big family and had a small space so I mm-hmm. always had to make that space work for me. And it's where it started. Then I left on my own. But I had small space because I was poor on my own. I had to make it work for me. And I said this. I have a book out called um, Second Wife, First Stepmother. It's out now. I wrote it. It's out now. And it actually go, talks about my beginnings of organizing. I got it from my first stepmother. She okay. was very organized. She had a day planner, folks, back in the day with post-it notes. She had a calendar on the wall that we wrote on our schedule, what we had to do. Um, and so she helped raise me. That's, I think, I, I said, I think I got it from her. That she was, because she was always, because we all had different schedules. We're all so busy. We're all things to do. It's like, you need a place to figure it out. And I would all organize who's picking up who and who's doing this over here. And, and I loved it. I just loved it. And then, I've always been organized. I've always had jobs or organized. And then 15 years ago, when I started my own business, I'm an organizer. Okay. And you actually go to people's houses and or places of living and you organize their space. And Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's, uh, well, we're back to that again. Thank God COVID stopped that for a while. But yeah. um, yes, I'm back in there, in their homes, either working with them or for them. They tell you what they need. Um, and we try to make it, account- make it happen. If it's a kitchen, a bathroom, a garage. Um, right. One of the jobs doing next week, and I'm allowed to say this because it's not anything private. But the place we're going to, they just moved, they just they're trying to consolidate two homes into one. Oof. I was just a lot of work because each had a lot of stuff. Yeah. So that's what we're working on. We're working on how to like what do we keep, what do we not keep, how can we make this fit, how many closets do you have, do we need to buy? So it's it's a it's a whole thing. And so, but yes, I'm in the house with them, 
And this particular client, we actually work together. He's always like teach. He wants me to teach him too how to do it. So that after I leave, they can they can keep maintaining. A lot of it's maintenance after that. After we get it set up. Uh, so yeah, I do that. I go in their homes. Okay. Yeah, that's always fascinating. I like to think I'm like fairly organized for the most part. When it comes to work, definitely organized. Um, when it comes to my personal life, eh, debatable. I I have my times. I mean, I I don't even want to show you my kitchen. It seriously looks like an F five tornado went through it, and then like the emergency relief people haven't come to pick it up yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Disaster. So I have my ins and outs <laughs> when it comes to cleanliness and and organization. But like, I get those moments where like I just go on a tear, and then I organize clean for like two hours. And then for the next two weeks, I just let it get dirty again. And like, it doesn't bother me, but then it gets to the point where it does. And then I have to do something about it. It's a very vicious cycle. Um, you know, it is. You know, it is. But I think it, if but... you have the basic setup, even if you get messy, you, if you still have places where you know you could put it over, if it's just a difference of putting it away or picking up after yourself, that's different. I'm looking at it it's like I made brownies on like a few days ago and the pans are still out <laughs> so it's like that kind of messy like I don't want to put this away now like dirty pans <laughs> like I don't know it's really bad um, it's kind of embarrassing but pff, whatever that's yeah. that's who I am Life. So for, for organization what would you say is your I don't know, favorite tool or favorite method of how you tackle organization? Is there like something that really helps you? That's a good question. That's a really good question. Wow. Um, is there a favorite tool? Um, it depends on, okay, I'm trying to think. Uh, I love labels. I love labeling. I think that does help a lot. And that, that can cross all kinds of stuff. That can cross clothes, products, business, personal, home i love i love labels and i love i yeah, love like a p-touch labeler yes I, I, have, I have all kind of labelers um but you, you don't have, to have one of those you don't have to have, have a p-touch you yeah. don't have, to have one of those you can have just regular like label if you it's want nice to label. Label, you can have those two you have neat handwriting um but that's i always carry labels on me just okay and trust me they've come in handy people are just kind of weird um labels and also for packing i hate boxes my favorite thing is clear plastic bins. Um, and I love the ones that are colored because you can actually do, so you can make them represent something. So and for me, you can see what you have. Because when you have a bin that you can't see inside, to me, that's dangerous. When you can see what you have in there, it's a little, it's a little better. So those are my things, like kind of my favorites. Oh, clear plastic bins. That's actually pretty good because actually few days ago i just bought a big container it's a black one it's I, I think you know which one i'm talking about it's a big black one but it also has the yellow lid no on top. top i know those i know those but it's solid it's solid you did it, it from the job. i did it was a office depot <laughs> i got it from office depot thank you very oh, much um I, I was debating getting two because they had a deal for like two for 25 i was like no i only need one and they're but, stackable. They're easily stackable too. They're very stackable. And they're sturdy. They're sturdy. Yeah, but like I was so proud of myself. I was like, "Oh, I actually needed this." Um, yeah, but I I never really thought about the clear. That that's actually a good tool because, you know, it's helpful to know what you actually have. Well, it's funny. So far, I have clients who have garages. You don't have a garage right now, but clients who have garages. Unfortunately, and they have 
<laughs> and they have different holiday things. So for my clients, I have all the red, or no, no, no all the green is um, Christmas, all the red is Valentine's Day, pink is Easter. So we have them, and orange is fall, and we have different uh, things. So but also you can see what's inside. You can go, do I need to buy anything more? You go, well, look, you, that thing's half full. Okay, let me look and see what's in there. And I guess it's also a helpful thing for you before you go out and spend more money on seasonal items. You can go, that thing is full. Let me see what's in here. You know, and also you can help me purge. It might be too full. You're like, what is all what is all is in here? And you can say, Oh, that's broken. That's a but it's just, to me, it's just it just shows you, okay, or you can see something, you go, there's the pills I'm looking for. You can see them. But I would take them down. What's inside this bin? Like it's just it's just less steps that's why i like them yeah i mean I, I like to think that i have like the good memory of knowing what i actually own and what i don't because you're young um, yeah <laughs> well, it's, well it's, it's more so head. like i'm very rare i was like oh i i know i have two of these but i know i need one more or i know i don't have any of these and i need to go out and get them and like i don't write this down it's just like that just the it's just that natural remembrance of knowing what you own and what you don't you're very lucky rest of us don't do that <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm like i'm waiting for the day that disappears yes, yes. No, I, and like i think that actually helps me from overspending yeah. because like i i know what i own and i know what i don't and if i actually if i couldn't remember if i had two of these of one item then i go out and like buy five more and be like oh no i already had some you know I and then i just spend time. all this money you just you you'd be great on my organizing show. You just gave an example. Where I tell people that if you are not organized, you will lose money. And I, and I always say I use the example of scissors. You know you see the scissors every day when you do not need them. Yeah. But then suddenly you need scissors. You can never find them. If you don't have a dedicated spot, where are they? So you go buy. You said you go out and buy scissors. Now you know as you get home, you're gonna see those scissors. Like I didn't need these. But now you have two pairs of scissors. You spent money, also time, that's money. Driving, that's money. Like all that. And then you come back and then you find the scissors. You already had them. So it happens all the time. So I'm saying, so like for me, I have a little ball sitting right next to me here that has my keys, my wallet. It's all my chapstick. It's all in this ball. And so I just know it's always there because I, for years, like, where are my keys? I can't find my keys. Where are my glasses? Where are my this? You know? Yeah. I got dedicated. So I think, but you said you. I tell all the time, you will lose money when you're not organized. Also, it takes 17 minutes, they say, on average, to find something. That's 17 minutes. I can watch an episode of Bold and Beautiful. I yeah, mean, I don't, have, I don't have time. I don't have time to be looking for shit. And that adds up quick too. It does. So it does. Because you're like, where? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? You're like, you're looking all over the place. It's just, it's crazy. But it's usually like screwdrivers, mm -hmm. scissors, pens. Things like that uh, that they always need, but you see them every day when you don't need them, and then you need them and you can't find them. Batteries, wow. yeah, paper clips. Uh, and so the little things too that this. add up. Rubber bands, yeah. you know, all kinds of stuff like that. Okay, you know, okay. I have all that. I have a whole office drawer. Good. That has everything: highlighters, markers, pens, Good. glue, like everything that you could find in an office is all right there. So it. when I do need an envelope, when I pay my monthly rent and stuff, and like, and I'm writing a check, and I know where the envelopes are, you know, because it's in one dedicated location. So like, yeah, I tend her. to be, 
Yeah, it's like I tend to be organized, but when it comes to cleanliness every once in a while, things can get disorganized. And I'm okay with that too because no I'm I'm busy and I live a busy life. Yes. Um, but I know you're also big on collections too. I've seen a few of your collections. So what would you say is your favorite collection that you have? Right now, oh god, because you gotta love my piggy banks. My I guess my biggest collection right now is my mugs. Mugs, yeah. My mugs, and I and I and I have gone through my mugs and gotten rid of a bunch of mugs that I don't want. I mean, I I, I go through them, Good make sure. I'm looking at them right now. Um, I have a great collection of mugs. Um, that I always take pictures with them. People, fans love them. I take pictures of my mugs. Um, for different occasions. Um, and I love them. I just, I just, I just, and my kids give me mugs. I'm a, I'm a grandfather and a father. So I get mugs from them and. I don't have I don't have one sitting here right now. I, I was I was like and they're all different mom. types of like different sizes, different yes. colors, different sayings, yes. Yes. different purposes. And, yes, they do. And I have mugs for my shows. Um yeah. I do sub shows, I have a mug for every sub show. They mean they're different they're, they're, they're tours. I have mugs for my other shows, so one for extra connections, one for SOS. Like so yeah, so total mugs are actually functional, but they all get used. I rotate them, they all get used, and they're all for a reason. And so I'm very proud. This is within the last two years. That I've upped my my mug game, um, and so it, it, it surpassed my piggy banks. Piggy banks are my my big other big collection, but these have surpassed my piggy banks. Oh yeah, see, I I wasn't really thinking about your piggy banks. I was thinking about your Grogu's. Well, there's like three you have so there. many. <laughs> there's three sitting over there. I got one right next to me here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I got a bunch of Grogu's running around. I got Grogu pillows. I got three over here, three over there. Yeah, there's a bunch of those. Things. Yeah, and I have a whole Star Wars shelf of stuff no, that I need, to, I need to put together I've seen too. It. Yeah, so that's that, that's there. Yeah, course, how many of those were gifted slash purchased? I would say now at this point, fifty fifty. Okay. I have a lot of people just giving them to me. My daughter, my granddaughter, came down a couple weeks ago to see my mom. Well, see me too, of course, when he came to see my mom, um, and they brought me my Christmas presents since we had no Christmas. Um, so, and there was like half the presents were Grogu related. So it was kind of funny. It was like, well, there you go. So I would say right now, 50, 50, I see stuff too. And I was like, I'm grabbing, I'm taking it. Um, so it's, it's a lot of fun. And like, they're, they're so cute. They're, they're cute. They're yeah, cute. Yeah, I love them. Don't really... All the sizes and shapes and everything. So I like it. Yeah. I was like, I don't, my, I say my biggest collection would be either my movies, television shows or books. And I cannot tell you, I've probably spent the same amount of money and all of it. I have well over, well over 15,000 plus dollars worth of either movies, television shows, or books. Put it all together. I don't know how I had that much money at one point in my life, but. It was cumulative. It just was all the the cry. I know. It's a a little bit at a time, you know, and and it adds up. But I, I always had this thing especially like my teenagers and definitely in my 20s when I was working at Afterbus, every time I was like having a bad day or feeling sad, I would go out and buy a movie. And it's like, you can get them for like $5, from $5 to $10, but then that adds up. And then I have a million movies and I'm like, shit, I've I've really been sad (laughs) because I bought so many movies. (laughs) So no, I like that. That was kind of like a therapy thing for me. And definitely when I was in my 20s, I was like, oh, man, because movies always made me happy. So I was like, well, I'm feeling shit today, so I'm going to buy another movie. So, and I, and I, always, I always advocate that. I go, if you're feeling a bad day, 
whether it's a TV show or a movie or music, do it. Do it. I feel like yeah. that's just anything you do to kind of help you get through it. It's, it's comforting. It's like a hug. It's like they're just, you know, you watch a movie, like you're just like, I love this movie. I get to watch it. It takes me out of my my stuff for a couple hours. I, I, I get it. Yeah, but you also do that with your, your plans. You're, you're I, I, big I, I, in yes. gardening too. All right. If if you all haven't seen pictures or videos of James and his plants, how many do you have? I mean, Over I don't even think you have regular grass because like all the greenery in your yard are all plants. Yes, yes <laughs> exactly. Like exactly. every time I go over to your house, you just like give me a personal tour yes. of every single plant. I'd be like, hello, plant. Hello, plant. Yes. I'm Marissa. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet yes. you. Nice to meet you. Yes. Every single plant. You have so I, many, which is great. I mean, like the, that's a very, very healthy activity, hobby, oh, yeah. lifestyle. Yes. Um. Yeah, you're big. You're big into plants. So, what? How long have you been doing that? Have you always done that, or was that? Um. So I always like. So I've always because I lived in cities like um, Pittsburgh, LA. I mean, San Francisco. San Francisco. I was in apartments. <laughs> so my inside house, and I have a lot inside too. I always had a lot of house plants. Always. That I'm was just. Me. I, don't I have come any. from uh, my father's side of family. Uh, they were farmers. So in the south. So my grandmother lived two blocks away from me. She actually had a garden in her backyard. So I used to go over there all the time and she grew things, fruits, vegetables, and plants. And so I used to go out there with her and tend to them. And so I, I saw how for her, it was calming. It was like serene. It was calming. You saw results. You were tending to something. And that stuck with me because I had a stressful life. So wherever I lived, I was always growing something, usually inside. Well, I came to L.A. to go over this house 15 years ago. And we had this huge, these two, as you know, two huge yards. There was nothing in them. A couple of trees, that was it. And I had a vision. I, I had a dream that one day. Um, and I said, I had a vision. I said, I want this whole front yard filled with plants and trees and flowers that are different heights. Same with the side yard, same with the backyard. And over the last 15 years, I've made that happen. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not done. I'm mostly done, but I'm not done yet. Um, but I was like, I want something where people can, because I have a huge lot of land, as you know, and it's an open fence you can see inside. And it's mm -hmm. kind of on the corner. I'm next to an alley, so it's kind of on the corner. So I thought, at least we won't be an eyesore with this huge, ugly yard, nothing in it. And people love, they want, they love, people love my garden. People drop off plants like babies in baskets. And like, I never go, who brought me this plant? Okay, it's for me. Take care of it. Take care of it. Uh, our friend Phil Sweetsick has a plant at my house he gave me. My sister has plants at my house that, he, that she gave me. Like, it's there. I, so I give them updates. It's how your plant's doing. It's how I'm your giving plant's you a doing. pot. Yeah, your pot. And it's, it's out there. It's being used. It's in my. It's, it's in a very sassy room. pot. <laughs> yes, it's in this room right here. I think I saw pictures of that too. Um, but no, I have an extremely green thumb. I, I used to work in farm and ag. That's what I used to do for a living. I love the earth. And today I was out because in LA, it's beautiful today. It's a beautiful day in Los Angeles. It is nice. I got home from my mom. To, I tended to her, came home, and I had to water my plants because some of them were drooping because it's not going to rain for a while. So I was like, let me go out there. And I just felt so calm after just like handling all those stuff, just watering my plants. Just talking to him. Hi, baby. How you doing, girl? You're doing great, girl. I'm so glad you're here. Like I talked to him. And I was up there for an hour, and it felt great. And they calmed me down. And during the pandemic, 
my garden was everything to me. So because I didn't go anywhere. So it's like it literally saved my sanity was the garden. Yeah, it gave you a reason to get out of the house, even if it was like 10 feet out of your house. But it it got you outside. My loquats are coming in right now, girl. So my loquats. Not what the loquats are until I told them what they were. I'm like, I think what loquats are. I haven't had, I think maybe I've had one loquat because of you. I'm more. Yeah, because of me. Yeah. I like the kumquats. Kumquats are great. Those are good too. I don't grow those. Those are good too. Those are little. Those those are great in tea. Have you ever had it in tea? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So good. But but my loquats, my loquat jam is good too. I'm in a loquat jam. Um, But they're coming in right now. So I have a, they call it fruiting. So. I'm going to be picking my harvest soon. Um, but no, I love it. I think it's, I think everyone should try to grow something. Uh, I think kids should learn how to do this because it helps you yeah. learn how to tend to something. Like plants are living, breathing things. I mean, and and people will tell me, you're a plant hoarder. I'm like, you can't hoard plants. They're nature. You can't hoard a plant. I mean, they're nature. It's outside. It's, na- yeah, I have it's natural. It's natural. It's the most natural thing literally on this planet. Hello. So I yeah. said, so well, you asked me how many I have. My sister's father-in-law was counting one time. It was a while back. I think he counted over a hundred. So it's probably more than that. But I believe it. most of mine are drought tolerant plants because we had a well, we were in a drought for years. No, not a drought anymore, but we live in a desert. Yes. LA is a desert. Yeah, basically <laughs> it is. Um, but now it's all yeah, it's great. And then I'm tending to my mother's plants too at her house too. So I'm like going to her house trying to get her little garden. So I love your garden. So I'm trying to get her garden similar to mine. Yeah. So that part's fun. So I'm trying to do that too. Oh, that's amazing. Like I, I always appreciate the fact that like you're good with plants and stuff. I can't grow shit. <laughs> and like I'm more so I I don't think I have the patience to wait like three months for something to actually show something. But which is weird because I had the patience to build my own personal skills. Right, to be right. awesome in three months. But when it comes to growing something outside of me, something external, it's different. When it's something internal, I can do it. External, not so much. Yeah, look at that. That's cute. Uh, you mentioned that you did farming agriculture. I mean, I grew yes. up on a literal farm. Yeah, you did. Town. I know you did. You did. I had a cornfield in my backyard. Uh, my, my dad was big into gardening, hence the reason why I don't garden, because he always <laughs> made my brother Tony and I help him grow uh, little kids uh, out in a big ass garden. I mean it was like a twenty by I believe it. Twenty by ten foot garden. It was big. And uh yeah we did that a lot. And I just well, yeah, so you guys have not loving yeah my 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 parents have at least an acre. Yeah, um, it's, a, it's a big yard. I mean, the, they filled it with a pond and trees and stuff here and there, but no, it's a big ass yard for, I, and it's in the country too. So like an acre in an actual measurement standing, like, especially in the country, it's, it's a lot bigger than you think. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then like, we actually have now like this, one of the smallest lands that compared to the rest of my relatives who have, my sister has like five acres, you know, yeah. so and but you know they're in the country they yeah. have the, the space for it yeah but you did mention that uh, you did farming agriculture this is one thing i every time i talk to you i'm like learning something new because i know you had a million and a half jobs i have, I have. my life you've yeah. lived different lives within yes, the 50 plus young years of of your life out yeah. of all those and i 
you could say hosting too. Yeah, hosting definitely a job. But like, what would you say your favorite job out of all the careers we've had? Wow, my favorite. I guess okay. My favorite would be writer because I was always a writer. I just didn't get published till later. And writing these audio dramas that I'm doing, that's giving me the most fulfillment. So I would say writer. If I choose, hosting's close second and producing. But I say writing is my, because I write books and I also write audio dramas. And those are my two favorite things to do. Yeah. You said you've always done it. You know, like, were you like a kid also writing, teenager? Yeah. Or... Oh, no, I have, I have journals from 1980 when I was 11 years old to 2001 when I was 31. Um, and I've something I just I just found so funny. You mentioned like you're totally in sync to me today, Marissa. It's kind of weird. So I'm it's, going to we stuff. we are always on the same wavelength. We it are, is freaky. It is how, freaky. like we literally think the same things every single yes. day. It's free, it's crazy. So a couple of days ago, I was going through stuff because that's what we were doing, because we had lost my stepdad. I'm finding stuff. I found a box. I guess I was keeping gratitude journals in 2016. I don't remember that, but there's like seven mm -hmm. journals, filled pages. I'm just starting to read them going, I wrote that. I wrote that. Like, I mean, so I've always was a writer. I wrote a, a soap opera in high school with a friend of mine. But back then, if I can get, so it was the 80s. It was the 70s and 80s. We didn't have all the stuff we have today. There was no self-publishing. There was no easy way to get in television. There was no internet. There was no YouTube. So like when you did it, it's just kind of like you did it. Either you tried really hard to get it or you just didn't. And being a black man wasn't easy either back then, uh, just in general. Um, so getting something to try to get through to somebody. I mean, I probably could have. I could try, But I just thought it was more of a hobby for me. Something that I enjoyed doing. I would always come up with stories. I have, and I found a box later over the years of all these stories I started. Um, and I would stop and start and stop and stop and start. Uh, that handwritten. These are all handwritten. There was no typing. It was handwritten. Yeah. Um, and but now since twenty since twenty seventeen, I've been producing my. I write songs. I write books. I write. I, mean, I write, and everything that I write, poetry, everything. I now I'm publishing it myself, and it's also been published in other things too. But I mean, I'm actually doing it myself now. The timing is right. So I've always been a writer. I always thought myself as a writer, but I just didn't know kind of a career at it. I just, I just thought, well, one day I'll write a book and try to shop it around. But now I have sixty books out that I did myself. So yeah. I mean, you just I'm writing. I'm helping another person. I'm writing a, a chapter in a book in his book right now. So it's like it's just it's now it's just part of my life. Um, and I have seventeen audio dramas. I've written most all of them. So, I mean, they're out there also. I won an award for an audio drama last year. I mean, like, it's just, it's like my writing actually fuels everything else. And, you know, writing actually fuels doing these after shows. It does, writing's involved. We put together an interview. I mean, writing is, writing is the, is the nucleus of everything. Yeah. See, you, and like, I, I love that because you're a writer. I am also a writer. It's funny. I was just talking to Phil, our, our good friend. Oh, yes mutual friend phil svitek about writing as well because he's also a writer yes um i you've written so many things now i've written a lot but you have the ability and the courage to put it out there in the public i more so write internally for myself although i do have stuff out there i am published three times yeah. i have stories in leather bound books 
out there in the world. I'm not going to tell you what it is because if you actually want to read it, you're going to have to search. But I, and one of them actually still makes royalties. Um, I, I am published, uh, professionally published by three different publishing companies and stuff. But my thing is, it's like for, for writing, uh, like I find it very, it's a solitary kind of act. I mean, it can be, you, you can co-write with other people and we yeah. know that, but for me, I generally write by myself and it's stuff that it's very emotional and I don't know if I want to put that out there into the world of people because it's generally a reflection of how, how I'm feeling. And I mostly write when I'm down and I'm sad and I've written a lot. I wrote a 320 page book story during the pandemic. No one has read it. And I'm not sure if I had the courage to actually put it out there in the world either. So I write as well. But you have the the courage to put it out there, so like, good on you. But My thing is, I guess for yeah. everybody when it comes to writing. Yeah, no, I mean, writing can be very personal. I totally get that. I, but for me, I feel like if I don't put it out, someone's missing out. That's not an ego thing. It's more like. Mm-hmm. If people tell me to read my books, I love the, which books they like. Oh, James, I love this series you're on. James, I love this book here. I felt the same way. Like, I feel like someone out there is going to relate to it. So I, I'm, a, I'm a mass producer. I think it's kind of one of those things. I have, I have collaborated yeah. with that by myself. I do both. It's just like, it's just like no, it's, it, to me, it's product. And people, I, you know, as you know, I put 110% everything I do. I mean, whether it's a video thing or audio, or I, I, I go, you know, I go in, I'm ready, I'm, I'm there. Yeah, commit. I commit. So my thing is, someone's not going to like something I do anyway. I've had the worst thing said about me. I've had death threats at me. I mean, I, I've weathered <laughs> the worst. So I feel like I'm good. So I put it out there, and whoever likes it, likes it. If they don't like it, they don't like it. I mean, I, I kind of, I just let it go. Because I just, I think, I, I feel like somebody out there somewhere is going to like something that I put out there. And maybe they'll change their lives in a way that they didn't realize. Maybe they'll inspire them to write or whatever. And I've been actually told those things. So I feel like I have to put it out there. Someone else will enjoy it. If not, for me, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed writing it. I enjoyed the story. I enjoyed putting it out there. Yeah. That's yeah. that's beautiful because the, the writing that I do put out there, I fortunately have received very positive feedback. You have actually read a short film. I know, I have. Wrote. Yes. I and did. you told you told me for the most part it was good, right? I, did, I, did, <laughs> I could I be did. making that up, because it it is very heavy. It's a heavy content kind yes. of emotional. It's a heavy it's a heavy story. I don't know if I have the courage to put that because only still only four people have read it. Yeah, you, Phil, and like two other people. Yeah. Um, one you do know. And, uh, but like only a handful of people write because I wrote that at such an emotional time of my life. And it's just one of those things like, I don't know if I want to remember how I felt. I wrote it when I was feeling it, but I don't want to like be constantly reminded of that time, you know? And even though it's good, does that mean it should be out there? Well, see, yeah. I view mine as when I do my autobiographies, I have like five out there right now, different things. I view it as a release. So I don't even review it and view it as a it's a reminder. For me, it's like now I've released it. It's out there. Yeah. Let it go. Because I think, you I know, as, but I'm saying, but, but I but I but I'm saying I get what you mean at first. At first you're like, you know, I'm gonna throw out there, 
I mean, this is my business. Right? I get, I get that part, but for me, what gets me through and says, put out. I mean, my first book was the with the funhouse mirror in my bathroom. That was about me getting fat, and I was like, do I want? Put, I mean, I have some funny anecdotes in it. I'm actually telling stories. I'm like, it's a great title for a book. I'm like, James, just put it out there. Just you know, it was a time in your life, and you and people told me they love, they love the book. Like I relate to it. Like so, I'm like, okay, then it did its job. It's not so actually. I can release it. It's out there. It's done. I don't have to worry about it anymore, so to speak. It's like it's, and if they know that about me, I don't care. Like this is this is a part of my life. This is something that happened to me. You know, part of my life, and I'm sharing it with you. Yeah, there's another story, and I was coincidentally also talking to Phil about this. Um, there's another story that's actually out there in the world that I've been writing for the past few months, and it has a definitive end at 20 chapters. 19 of them are already published out there in the public. People okay. have read it, commented and stuff. I'm not going to tell you what it is, <laughs> but the it's, it's for the readers who I want to. Like I put it in a space, this space that I know it's for this genre, it's for this demographic. Um, and I've, I've gotten very positive stuff about it and it's, it's almost done. I have one more chapter, but I went into knowing because I just got my heart broken really, really badly. You know this. Um, and I wrote it during mostly as a therapy for this heartbreak. I'm getting over this heartbreak. Um, another reason why I started this podcast is to help get over this heartbreak yeah. that I've been feeling for the past few few months. And it, it's just one of those stories because I knew I was writing it to for that self-therapy, but also it was one of those rare moments. I was like, I cannot keep this with me. This cannot stay with me. I have to put that out into the world. And I even put that in the chapter summary. I was like, I'm writing this and I'm releasing it to you guys. So maybe you, one of you readers will find it therapeutic because this is therapy for me. So be nice and forgiving every once in a while. And, be, and like, be gentle because I'm still fragile. But I, I put it out there with the self-awareness. I was like, this is therapy Maybe someone else will find this also as therapy. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. I I tiptoe between like what I think is just for me and what I think should be for other people. Yeah, I get, I know I totally get that. It's funny. I'm writing a book right now. I'm almost finished with it. I'm going viral. I've gone viral several times uh, in my life, and and it's been very interesting because I'm going over kind of the last it's last fifteen years of my life, going over it and. And which projects I'm reliving those projects that made me each one that made me go viral, and the one that always, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, folks, I'm the guy with the bread refrigerator video. So that's me. Yeah, yeah. Video a I've thousand times. I've seen it. Oh, everybody, everybody's they call stitches. The, the, the stitches made it famous. I mean, it was already went famous on its own, and there were people's reactions to it videos. Made even more. I've made stars out of people because my my stupid. It's an eight second video I did two years ago. Uh, I'm not even that proud of it. And so almost like you, it's like I need to exercise that no, excise exercise, excise mm -hmm. that video out of me because yeah. it's still big. It's still going around. My grandchildren finally saw it. Like, oh, I got hard Jamie. You saw it. I'm like. Now. my uncle saw it in new york I got to you, you get a solid chuckle from it uh, i've seen it i've seen I'm it i've it. laughed i laughed I know, at but, it but it's it's dumb to me it's dumb and it's like I, i'm not like i'm gonna die and i'm gonna go yeah the maker of that viral video of the bread refrigerator because literally <laughs> i was recognized on my cruise in january 
by these kids. You're the guy that bred it. I'm like, I'm on the I'm on the Pacific Ocean head to Mexico. <laughs> I'm in these the middle of nowhere. Nice. Oh, Flobo has a friend in Florida. My, you know the Fled, you're the bread guy. Oh my God, my kids love him. Like, so it's just, it's just, but to go with your thing of like, there was something that I did kind of as a joke, had no clue anybody more than 300 people may watch the video. It's not 80 million views. It's crazy. I mean, like counting, it's, it's just, it's dumb. So I had to find a way to kind of become at peace with it. So I'm writing about it. So I think I'm hoping it gives me some kind of like uh, whatever because it just it just bugs the shit out of me. Um, it just does. It just does, Marissa. It does. It's just what, well, what you say. And that's the weird thing is like you never know what's gonna hit and what's not. You don't. And you've been it's, in this business, you know. You have know. literally. You don't know. Like literally, you don't know. I know. Like, and everyone's about like I edit. You you see my my fan made videos yes. of of the television shows. Some that I think are like my favorite. Like the favorite videos that I've ever edited have only maybe a couple hundred views. And then one that I like did in two days has over 450,000 views. Like I can't win. I really can't. You can't. That's the great thing about this business. You know, the other time I went viral, of course, has been on Jimmy Kimmel. And I was telling somebody the other day, I said how fast that happened and how it happened. It was within two days. Again, I mean, I'm minding my own business, and our buddy Jeffrey Graham, his wife, Laura, remembered me, and yeah. it was like James Lott Jr. I mean, I guess it's just, it's just one of those things. You just, you just, this business is so unpredictable. Life is so unpredictable. You never know what will hit or what will come to you, yeah. and so that part is exciting on some level. It's life, um, but then also the flip side of that, I've had some horrible tragedy this year. So like. It's like it's, it's weird how life works that way. It's like you can go really good in one second and really bad in one second, um, but you just never—you never know. You just—you just never—you never—you just never really know. Uh, but, but I'm writing a book on that. But I'm hoping that actually helps me. And actually, writing it is helping me a little bit. Just kind of like get it out of me and just say, "Here you go, folks. Enjoy yeah. it." Leave, well, you write it. A, yeah, you you write a lot of books, and I know you read a lot of books like me i'm a big bookworm um yes. that's Richard literally Schreiber. in my profile <laughs> um my bio a bookworm um so i want to know what's your ultimate favorite book is there a certain book that like you constantly just keep going back to and you reread over and over again or like the one book that just stayed with you for your rest of your life what's your favorite book There are books coming into my head that I loved. I don't know if they're my favorites. So think, but there's one book that's it's still, as I'm thinking about it, there's one book that I have read, wow, like four or five times. Yeah. Um, I never thought, I, this, you, made me, you, made think, you made me make me think about this. I, I, I never thought my favorite book is because I love books. Like, you know, there's so I many there's, I'm thinking of Fahrenheit 450. Well, I mean, I'm thinking all these books that I Oh, read. I just read that a I couple months ago. Ray Bradbury. I mean, he's uh, also from Illinois. He's my favorites. Ray Bradbury's my favorites. Isaac Asimov's my favorites. Um, so is the Roald Dahl books. Yeah. Um, so, so is the C.S. Lewis books. I mean, mm-hmm. like, I'm, I'm just I'm going. I have two C.S. Lewis books right there. I know, I know you do. We talked about that. I, mean, I, I have all of Chronicle of Narnia, but yeah, like, yeah. that's in, that's me yeah. being lazy in a, in a, like on my shelf <laughs> like the big compendium oh yeah, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a stephen king fan of his early works 
So it's books like Carrie, Cujo, uh, The Stand, Bridge Version, uh, It. It's like Hate Clouds, when that book was the bomb. Um, Dolores Claiborne, all those, all those were guys were dragging. They were all, I, I was a whole Dark Tower series. I was a huge Stephen King fan. So that, but I'm, I'm, this one book is sticking out to me that I, I, um, I don't know if I can say the title. Do it. No, do it. Okay, folks. I just want, I want any trigger warnings or anything. It's the title of the book. The book is called Faggots by Larry Kramer. Larry okay. Kramer is an activist or was, was an activist in the AIDS community. Um, and he used to come to it. But um, the book is about this guy. It was written in the late 70s, the whole gay culture. But it was a book that was, it was about this guy's 39th birthday. It was like his last year before he turns like a magical big number that we all, so anybody who's about to get a hit a milestone number, we can almost all relate to it. Uh, and to me, it transcends its gayness. It transcends everything. It's just like just a book that's about, it's just, and it's some graphic language things in it and stuff like that, but it's just so good because it captures one's brain towards aging. What does aging mean? Um, and if you're single, what does it mean? If you're with somebody, what does it mean? Who are the friends in your life? Who do you have in your life? Your family, are they in your life? Who's around still? I mean, it's it covers so many subjects. Um, and it was a huge hit book for him. Uh, but I know the title now, of course, is controversial, but... Um, it's just something that I've read it four or five times over the years. So you say go back to it. Every once in a while, I like the world he created. It's like it's almost like a fantasy world of a time where I was too young. I was a kid. Um, that was like when everything was great. It seemed like everything was just like the disco music and everybody's having fun and in New York and just like I mean, it's all this stuff. Um, so I do that book and the Andy Warhol Diaries are two books that I read all the time. Because uh, I just love again, it's about that time, about the eighties and the seventies, and this. And I remember as a kid, it felt like a magical time. I loved being a kid in the seventies. I loved it. Um, it, was, it just, it, it's, it just, it just, it literally, they those both those books. But I never thought about my favorite book of all time. I guess they're, I guess they're my most read books of all time. So like they must be my favorites on some level. I guess I never really thought about it before. Hey, I've never, I've never read either. Yes. Um. I, although I have heard of the the Andy Warhol because you it's know, good. I have. I've been right there. He was he was big in the eighties. So. Yes, he was. He well. He says you have fifteen minutes of fame. Everybody has fifteen minutes of fame. That's where everybody came from. It's him. Yeah. And the famous Campbell Soup picture. Yep. Or the fourth. That's him. So his, um, I, I more so know his artwork rather than yes, that makes sense. That's why than his sense. his writing or like yes. it, is it the story about his life or yes, it is. It's his diaries, actual diaries. It's his uh -huh. actual diaries. So they go from the 70s to the early 90s, I think. Um, and it's all people he meets, what he thinks about that. It's shady as fuck. Love it. Um, <laughs> it's like, best. but it just it tell it gives you um is it inspired, I will say it's inspired a fictional book that I wrote called February 31st. Um no, sorry, that's by the way. On May 10th. That was one of the books I wrote. Um it's my birthday. Just, it's my birthday. Uh, but every year it was like you would tell a story and it kind of gives you a sense of what's going on in the world. And that's what mm -hmm. Rodney Warhol did. It's like he would capture a moment. Um, not just while he's telling you a story, while he's writing his journal, he would tell you a moment. And I just think both those books are very, I just, I, li I like them both. Um, uh, yeah. So that's nice. That's funny. I, I really want to right. sit down with think about like what is my favorite book of all time. But those two are my favorites. I read them the most. Okay. Uh, that's, fascinating because i'm always open to reading anything and everything 
Yes. So, so it's always interesting to see other people's perspectives of like what attracts them as a reader and what they always go back to. Um, because I, I learned, I feel like you can learn more about someone based on their book choices, you know, and like and what their preferences is. And like, I, I span like the gamut with um, when it comes to book genres. And I was yes. like, I have like everything under the sun, just even on this very, very small shelf. So, yeah, about the right. tips, I, I, I see them up there. All my different books. I love autobiographies. Uh, I'm reading. I'm reading "Spare" by Prince Harry right now. So, oh, I mean, is I, uh, it it's, as it's controversial as you think it is. It's good. I mean, it's not as controversial, but it's good. It's. I mean, it's good. I. I and then, you know, I read the Will Smith book. Everybody talks about. It, I read it, and it was good. I'm like, it was. Does it slap? Pre-slap. Just pre-slap. Um, it was uh, good. So it was good, and I and I read yeah. the Brian Carey book, and it was good. I mean, I like autobiographies. I like all that. That's I yeah. Like very rarely do I mean I I have only a handful of autobiographies, but it's generally mostly women. It's not men. Not not to say like men aren't interesting, but yeah. I'm more fascinated with women's lives because I find them more relatable. Um, it, I me as a woman, I find it more interesting to see how other women got to the level of success that they are and like the struggles that they went through because generally they're the same kind of struggles I go through compared to what a man would go through. Yes. Um, so yeah, like I have, you know, Megan Kelly's book. I have both Diane Keaton's, um, you know, I have uh, Megan Rapinoe's book. So it's like mostly when it comes to autobiographies, 99% it's, it's a woman's biography. That makes sense. I just finished a book. There's something weird about James Law Jr. How different I am. I read a book on James Buchanan, our president. Um, there was a. It was called the worst president ever. It's called. And besides, we have another one. Like this happened. But this book came out. And I read it. And yeah. it's, it's it's actually this one term president who was single, and it's, it's it's a very fascinating story. And it turns out a friend of mine was in Pennsylvania found this Buchanan pyramid. And I go, what? And so go to Fun Chasers on 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 uh, on YouTube. You'll see it. So they found this whole thing about James Buchanan in rural Pennsylvania. So it's kind of like, we're talking to go, you're reading a book about this. I know. I, I I tell you, if a story sounds good to me, I want to like say with music, I'll read it. If it sounds fascinating, I'll read it. I mean, and the first couple pages, you get me in, I will finish the book. I mean, I'm like, I, that's as we got to catch me in there. Okay. Like, it's just kind of weird. Who can kind of I'm not really big on the presidents. Me neither, but it's kind of, but it's like the worst president ever. I'm like, I want to know why. Like, it's like, well, why was he the I think that's also subjective, too, because oh, yeah, I, I know, like, my parents have always switched between, I mean, they're more Republican Carter. now, but that, yeah, but they, they switched a lot. They used to be like really Democratic, but now they're really Republican. And I think that, that just goes with age. Yes. Um, Yes, but they're, but they're also boomers too. So I, I don't know. And like they they lived a life that I haven't. And you know they they've seen more in the when it comes to the temperament of our country yeah. than I have. So it's subjective too. I think. But I love books. So, I mean, I, that. I yeah. mean, I have a ton of books. I love books. I like to read. Um, I haven't gotten to the audio book thing, but I do have some books on Kindle. So I do I do have that. Um, but I'm not an audio book thing yet. I text yeah, you. I mean, my thing with audiobooks is like, honestly, I've been listening to more audiobooks lately. Okay. But because 
I'm such a fucking fast reader. I realize I and I have this is gonna sound ridiculous, but I have to listen to audiobooks at three times the speed. Not twice, three times the speed just to keep my attention. I don't know, it's because I'm that ADHD wow. or that's because how fast I read. Yeah, yeah. Because I have to be if it's being told to me, because I'm such a visual learner, that's why I like reading better because i read the text and it just stays with me better but if it's being said audibly i don't know for some reason it has to be said faster for me to process and remember it makes sense i get that my brain is crazy i don't understand it (laughs) but speaking of which actually i want to kind of end on a a little bit of fun note for you i love fun I love fun. Uh, I'm sure you've done this before, but a fun this or that. Ooh, okay, few. okay, I'm yeah, ready. Because it, it comes to like our personalities, yeah, yeah, no. But uh, all right, here we go. What What would you think you are? Anxious or calm? Calm. Calm. Stubborn or flexible? I'm actually flexible. I can be stubborn, but I'm actually flexible. I'd say you're more stubborn, but okay. No, I can't be stubborn. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah. no, I, I can't be stubborn. But I was like, you're a, a tourist. Lot times, <laughs> a lot of times I'm like, it's fine. Let's just change. What do we got to do? But I can't be, yeah. fly, I can be stubborn. But I can be, really, okay. I can really be flexible in the right situation. Yeah. Daring or cautious? Daring. Moody or cheerful? Cheerful. Of course. See big picture or detailed oriented? See big picture. Competitive? Or cooperative? Cooperative. Pessimistic or optimistic? Well, that's changing these days. Uh, I'm usually an optimistic person. I, I mean, you know, I fight it. I, I, want to be, I want to be a pessimist, but I think I'm still always, I, I'm always hopeful. Yeah, yeah. Patient or hasty? Patient, I'm patient. Suspicious or trusting? Well, that's changed over the years. Um... I'm. I think I'm mostly trusting until until shown otherwise. That probably gets me in trouble. I just yeah. try. I used to try. I'm cautious in some ways of like I don't just let anybody in. But if you show me, if you don't show me anything bad, I'm pretty. I'm pretty trusting. And then when you do show me bad, then I'm done. Okay. Yeah. I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm suspicious. I don't think I'm suspicious. I'm definitely suspicious. You are. Yes. But I don't think I am. I think I'm more trusting than suspicious. Okay. Well, that was that. <laughs> That was fun. Okay. Yeah, that's fun. Oh no, no, it was just like two more questions, and we'll we'll wrap this up because you did say hopeful. What is your favorite word? Even though I think I know what it is. (laughs) Let's hope. Hope is my favorite word. It's always my favorite word. And what's so funny is in Esperanto in Spanish, this guy's from Spanish. I've always just drawn to that word before I watched Days of Our Lives or any other shows that have the word hope in it. And then when I want to say it's alive, my favorite character is Hope. I got to meet her years later, of course, with Salfonto. Um, but the word Hope is just, it was I have all over my house. If you've been to my house, yes, I have you do. I, I, I have it you have it like 50 different, yes. 50 plus times. And I almost <laughs> did a show. I had, I had a show actually wanted to do a show on me and my favorite word. So that was kind of a funny thing. Um, that didn't happen. Um, well, I, we did the, Ben uh, Hope Calls too, so. We did, we did do Ben Hope Calls. Too. Our Ben Hope Calls after show. Go check it yes, out yes. on James Lott Jr.'s. Um, no, but I like the word. I like the, I like the, right the way it sounds. I like saying it. I mean, everything just, it's, there's, you should always, there's always hope. I mean, 
there are things that are that are, are tough. Life can be dirty and nasty and ugly and all that stuff, but you can emerge. You can. And, I, you know, as long as you have hope, you will emerge. And when you have no hope, that's when folks end their lives and do other things and just they give up. And I, I, I don't want to give up. I feel like I've, I've been here a long time. I want to continue being here. So, and the last three or four months have tested my, my hopefulness, um, but I'm still here. Yeah, the last two or three years have tested mine. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I do know you're, you do love the word hope. It's a great word. It's a very positive, uplifting word too. And, you know, it definitely, it's already intrinsically in the definition that you're looking for something um, positive in the future. Yes, yes. Definitely. I, I always am. I want something positive to happen for all of us. I want everybody right. to have something positive. So, yeah. That's, that's definitely something we all need. And the last question for you, James Light Jr. Yes, Mr. You are one of my favorite people. And I love like everything about you, but what would you say is your favorite thing about me? Oh, about you? Oh my God, how funny! Oh, you're cute. Um, okay. <laughs> Everyone says I'm cute. Thank you. You're, you're a little cutie. You look cute. Always oh, cute, no. never hot, but that's okay. <laughs> oh, well, I'm, I'm gay. Sorry, girl. <laughs> yeah, um, no, favorite thing about you. I mean, there's there's so many different things like that. I really, I you know, it's funny. I when we traveled together. That was an eye-opening experience because we really did get along great. Yeah, we had no problem. We like to say we like we walk. We do so. We did. We had a great time exploring. A good time. And that was a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. Vancouver yeah. um, is a great city to travel to. So oh, it is. But my favorite thing about you is I like working with you. Actually, I think we always you just have a shorthand. It just it just when it comes to co-hosting or interviewing, we've done on-site, we've done off-site, we've done in in studio, we've done this. Uh, mm-hmm. We came to my house and we were setting that was phone. He came out, set that whole thing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I, I, my favorite thing. I know. I'm sorry, it's work related, kind of. I, mean, I like a lot of things about you, of course, like the music, and we laugh. We have funny jokes, saying, but you have such a humor. But I do like working with you. Like we have a great time. I like, guess it, it just seems like we just. It's like lightning in a bottle. You can't always, you can't always find it with people. There's certain people I work with. It's just easy. It's just like, oh, Marissa's here. We fine. It's gonna be. It's gonna be fine. It's like it's gonna be. A, We'll work it. If something happens, we'll work it out. Like, it's like, I don't, mm-hmm. like, you don't have to worry. Some people freak out or do this or that. Like, I don't have to worry about that with you. It's like, you're just, you're just easygoing and you're like, you have a lot of knowledge. You're very smart. You have a lot of knowledge. And so mm-hmm. I know I'm a good, again, I'm a good hands. I'm like, guide me. Girl. You tell me what to do. I do what you do. I, mean, I always call her Lady Boss Queen. Tell me what to do. She'll be like, I just, I go to the left. I mean, I, I just say, you know, like, no you know, words. Yes, no <laughs> words. I, was, I just do it. I'm like, it's just, it's, I mean, it's just, it's just, we, that's one of the things I do miss almost about After Buzz a little bit is when we used to work together a lot. We used to produce shows together. That was my breaking yeah. into the show, especially. That was a lot. That was a lot of fun. My guests loved you. We always had a good time. Uh, I try to give, I try to give you good subjects because so you had to watch us. I try to give you some good <laughs> stuff. You'd be like, I, like I had that to listen to so many shows. I, you did. I don't think like, people realize how many hours and how many shows I've had to listen to. But I gotta say, like I produced a lot of yours. But I never minded listening to you. If you told me, sometimes you would come in and join the conversation afterwards. Like, well, I come yeah. have you times online, but you would come in and go, oh my God, I'm from blah, blah, blah. And they would talk to you, the guests would talk to you. Like, or you say, I believe that too. I, I remember that anyway, you guys were thinking, so I love that you actually listened. And it was like, we actually had a, we had, I tried to give you something interesting uh, to do uh, and be an interesting host at the same time and bring interesting guests in also. And 
you got a big hug from Greg Vaughn, which I did. I got more than a hug. He lifted me off, literally lifted me off of my feet and spun me around. I'm like, (laughs) we all want that. Trust me, we all want that. Do it again, Greg Vaughn. Yes. Yes. Yeah, oh, so I got, I got was... you Oh, Jamie. <laughs> you're like, because you, you, know, you were never, those one of the you're like, I want to meet him. Because you never said that yeah. to him. It's like, James, can't, can't, I want to meet him. I'm like, oh, sure, I'll bring you in. I brought you in. And that, mm-hmm. was, that was your welcome. Oh, he did a lot more than I thought he was going to do. I was <laughs> yeah, like, he, yes, Greg Vaughn, beat me off my feet. He did. But he literally did. I was there. <laughs> oh, he gosh. did. I love that moment. So, no, oh, but I, so I, I love a lot of things about you. But I, working with you is always a good time. That's, that's one of my favorite things. Yeah. Well, James Lai Jr., you know how much I love you and you know how much I loved working with you and I still do. I mean, oh, yeah. you're stuck you're stuck with me for the rest of your life, whether you That's like right. Or not. You're part of the family. You're a yes. part of the family. The village, your village, which That's my you village. call. You. Yes, I do call that my village. So I, I know we're we're big on uh, uh on promoting ourselves. So what uh where can people follow you not not so much like the upcoming things yeah, um, yeah. but just like what do you have where can people follow you all that everybody just sit back for five minutes just kidding um <laughs> yeah. you follow me we're all james lots years are sold at james lots you and also media platforms and in all seriousness you can go to a lot of help.com which she set the website for me um yeah, uh, yeah. there for work stuff um but anywhere else i'll be like literally linkedin to Anything, just find, just type in JLJ Media or James Lott Jr. Google me, and you'll find everything that I'm in. Um, and most of my sites in the bio, I have a link tree, and the link tree will take you to everything from my Patreon to my Buy Me a Coffee to YouTube, every audio thing to my music, SoundCloud. It, it takes you everywhere. Um, so you do that. That's awesome. Well, James, thank you so much for joining my show, Friends and Favorites. One of my best friends, one of my favorite people. Yes, thank you very much. I love being on here.